Hola Tom, hola Steve, tengan un excelente programa, ustedes siempre me hacen reír, vale, están locos. Welcome everybody to Masters of Profundication, I'm Tom Witham. I'm Steve Piles. And today is the day before the finale of Game of Thrones Season 7. I wonder how long it take you to mention that. <laughs> right out the and gate. Right out the gate is uh, about what I thought. <laughs> Tomorrow is the finale. Tomorrow is the season finale, but not the series. I, I think I've run into people that were thinking the entire thing was going to be done tomorrow. Weirdly enough. Wow, that is weird. At least Clearly. some things they said. Maybe I, I'm still like, you know it's not done right. You know there's going to be like a good year. We're going to wait for the next part. I know they're but, they're filming in October. But, yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, so when everybody listens to this, this this episode won't come out until after the finale has aired. So after the finale is aired, after the wall got taken down by a dragon. <gasps> what? Oh, the wall's going down and then uh, Daenerys is going down. I'm just saying. It sounds like somebody's been looking at spoilers leaked. No, no. I, <laughs> that was my dirty joke. Daenerys is going down. See? See what I, I mean it. there? Hey, I have a question about the wall. Incest joke. <laughs> um, since you're the leading expert on Game of Thrones in our circle. Goddamn right. Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, just in the circle? I was going to say. Well, I'm sure that there are super fans that probably, I don't know. I have no, no nobody. I, I know it all. Uh, the wall is magic, right? Yes. The, the wall was raised with the help of the children of the forest, from what I understand, using magic. And a lot of water. <laughs> Frozen water. Uh, so if the wall was built with magic, was the magic what was keeping out the Night King? That's what I assumed. I think that's, I don't know if it hasn't been stated, then it's been implied. Like for, for hundreds of years, everybody just assumed the wall was to keep out wildlings so nobody really thought much about the magic part but the original wall was built at the end of the long night which was to push the white walkers back you know the first time Mm -hmm. keep them away from all the people so yeah to keep out the night king so i ostensibly so he needs to melt a big hole in it well i'll say this the books between the books and the tv show it's a little weird because the books never state that they never show a person the night king in charge of the White Walkers, like like they never have that as a character. There's just White Walkers and whites, you know, the zombies, and it's still very nebulous and ambiguous. That's the others, right? The others, yeah. yeah. There's no, there's nobody in the books that you're like, oh, there, nobody. George R. R. Martin says this is the leader of the others. So the and Night King that, is okay. Go ahead. There's a story that old Nan, who is like mm-hmm. the uh, nanny or whatever of Winterfell. Like Brand talks about, oh, there's a story she told me, which is about the Night's King. So it's not the Night King, it's the Night's King, who was a former Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, who had a other as a bride and Oh yeah. Became, like he was like actually like became like an evil king that was using the Night's Watch to try to conquer and stuff like that. It was like a little throwaway scene in one chapter of one of the early books. And I remember distinctly when I'm watching a TV show and they start just saying the Night King. Like, where'd that come from? Because that's not the same as the story in the book. Now, the story in the book implies that it's related to the others. I don't know if it's the same character or not. Hmm. So if it is, then the Night King post-dates the wall. He was a, a Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, and he was probably a Stark. So I don't know how that relates or not. But him being a Stark, and then him 
his greatest nemesis being Jon Snow. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Well, I can't wait to see how it's all going to pan out tomorrow. Cersei betrays the gathering. The wall comes down. Let's see. What other things come I pretty sure it's going to happen john and some Daenerys are gonna bone probably yeah, or something or at least you know get to second base <laughs> little hj's on the wall but uh <laughs> and then i think this is a bold statement i think but i think sansa's gonna die what like, i think i think little is gonna manipulate it enough that Arya kills sansa or at least like stabs her or something i think i think santa lives i think <sighs> santa has just as She's has just to go to chance of sitting on the Iron Throne as anybody. Nah, I think she would be if she lives, she would be in charge of Winterfell because I think Jon Snow is definitely going to die in the end of the series. What I think he's going to sacrifice himself. Hush in some your way tone. Oh, right? Nobody's going to expect it because he already died once. So, oh, well, but wouldn't that be great if he dies and then Melisandre walks in and goes, What a twist! <laughs> it's like I could do it once, I'll do it again. Bam, <laughs> you're alive. Hmm. Yeah, it's a little anticlimactic. Like, oh, that was that was easy. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's happily ever after. That's great. Game of Thrones. Yeah, so good. it's so good, except for when it's so bad. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's they're wrapping it up. Yeah, I get I get where they're coming from with the whole. There is no distance anymore in Westeros. If you want to be there, you're going to be there. Like, I, I would I understand they're trying to ramp up towards a big finale, but I would oh. rather I'd sacrifice the distance and all that for them getting it over with with some dignity. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? Like, like I'm cool with it so far, even though it's really starting to bug me. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, there have been a few things that have happened that have made me groan a little bit. Nothing that I can really point my finger at. Uh, not like um, I finished the mist. Hmm. In the finale, like if oh god, no good. Well, I mean, it's good just because there. Here's the thing, and we talked about this before with the um, uh, some of the bogus things that happen. If if the story or the acting or if something can over, or, or compensate for the bad details, then it's okay. Like you can give something a pass because something about it is redeeming. Right. Uh, like if the acting is really really good, you can get past some bad storytelling or um vice versa you know what i mean you can you can let it go if something is good and if the action scenes are really good if, the if horror. yeah something just needs to compensate for yeah. those moments and there were a couple where it started to slide i've been able to suppress some of my anger <laughs> towards the mist because it does fall right into that you know uh well we have a story to tell and to hell with the details <laughs> you know this character is going to do this uh because we want them to do this not because they would do this which i suppose if you're telling a supernatural story it is what it is you can sit there and just tell yourself okay this is a character arc they're trying to make it multifaceted so you know if this chick was hot wiring cars before yeah and now she just wants to threaten somebody it's just because you know that's the whim she is feeling today yeah she is she is a full-fleshed modern woman that you can't pigeonhole. <laughs> She's a third-wave feminist, and you better not fucking say a goddamn thing about her. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I um I struggled with recommending it, but if you can give... There's 10 40-minute episodes, and if you can spare the time, it's decent. Uh, we'll get into this later on in the episode. I, I want to talk about The Mist mm-hmm. and, and stories like it. Um, but 
it's it's worth a watch, I guess. You know. Yeah, I'm definitely if, gonna watch it. I, I watched the first episode and it intrigued me enough that like even your schizophrenic <laughs> <laughs> criticism of it, it's great. It's really worth watching. It's really frustrating. It's horrible. You know, not not to you know belittle you. I guess I'm sorry, but I, that's precisely what it was. It's, it's it's been all over the place. I'm like, you know, that actually intrigues me more because sometimes a train wreck is as good to watch as anything else. Uh, I know, I know, it's frustrating, but well, it is entertaining. Yeah, it is. But when there's so much stuff to watch, like I get, I, I get frustrated when I put on Netflix or Amazon and just want to watch a show and there's i'm spoiled for choices so Mm. like it takes me forever to land on something oh my god i spent 15 minutes 20 minutes today just trying to choose a movie to watch on netflix well i watched uh the other day i i found something that really intrigued me and it was it was a decent show it's on amazon it's the um it's called the video game hour and basically they oh yeah they take an hour and they talk about a year in video game history and they started in the uh early 80 i, I want to say they started with 80 and they end i think there's only 10 episodes so i think they end with 90 1990 hmm. but yeah they'll you know it's a group of people that are knowledgeable about video games and they sit there and they talk about things that were released new technology that came out and you know what the trends were and what was good and uh it was it was interesting it was on amazon worth your worth your time yeah that does sound pretty good because i was for better or worse, I've been a video game nerd for many years, so mm-hmm. it would be pretty engaging for me. Plus, I, I would love to see like if they would talk about some of the esoteric, le- lesser-known games that I loved as a kid. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea if they would do that. But uh, yeah, I, they they seem to concentrate on the the bigger releases, um, but they didn't, you know, pigeonhole themselves to one one. So did, they're not going to talk about Battletoads or something like that. <laughs> well, they. I was expecting, like, I, I watched 1985, and I was expecting them to be all Nintendo. The whole episode would be Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. And um, they talked about the Commodore 64. They talked about, like, early PC gaming and stuff like that. They they talked about way more than just Nintendo. Oh, my God. I loved the Commodore 64. My best friend. I had a Nintendo. He had a Commodore 64. I swear, I was jealous of him and his Commodore 64. Did he play Montezuma's Revenge? It was Montezuma's Revenge. There was Load Runner. Load Runner, Magic Magic Carpet, which I, I can't remember. If it was it was about a magic carpet. I can't remember if that's what it was called, but it was so fun. Um, God, what else did he have? California Games. Yes, yeah, you're right. He did. He had that yeah. one. I had a friend that had a Commodore 64, so yeah. I remember I'd go over and I remember the flop, like you'd put it in there and you do the DOS prompts and you'd run it, you know, run, blah, blah, blah. And uh, sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. So you'd have to <laughs> retry it sometimes. And it was worth the wait, though. We had, you know, the two little paddle joysticks and that was great. There was a lot of fun games on that. Uh, fun fact the original PlayStation, the PlayStation 1, had two games that the cd for the game was a scratch and sniff <laughs> really yep that could be a fake I, fact but <laughs> oh my god no i want uh, to believe i want yeah, to was... I'm, I'm the i am the molder of this episode now because i want to believe yeah there was a soccer there was a soccer game that the scratch and sniff smelled like cut grass and then there was a, <laughs> ah. a racing game that smelled like like tire like burning rubber from a tire peeling tires see the soccer game should have spelled like you know like sweaty ball sack or something you know <laughs> probably o- open probably wound now. 
<laughs> Probably now that's what it smells like. All those ones that have been sitting in somebody's. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just know, a soccer game it. anymore. No. Now it smells like sweaty ball sacks and open wounds. <laughs> ah, youth. Speaking of festering wounds. Yes. We have They're a, horrible, aren't they? They are horrorable. Festering, smelly wounds. Did you see what I did there? Horrorable. Horrorable. That is some top-notch wordplay, my friend. <laughs> so punny. We have a special edition topic today. We are going to plumb the depths of one genre and one genre in particular. And if you haven't guessed what that is by now, you are very stupid. And I'm sorry <laughs> for you. <laughs> uh, yes, we're going to explore the genre of horror, which That's hopefully right. this kicks off um, a few episodes that we're going to do where we explore entire genres. Yeah. But this one we wanted to start with because it is so close to home for both of us. I'm not oh. as much of a horror fanatic as Steve is, but... <laughs> and there's a very good reason I am that I could get into later. It's <laughs> it's a very psychological, sociological reason that I am. Well, um, let's, let's well, ease in. Let's talk about horror. Like, what is horror in your mind... When you encompass film, books, uh, even music, I'm going to throw that in there, like film scores and stuff like that. <laughs> like thriller? Is that what you're saying? Just say thriller. No, but there's something about, uh, have you have you ever um, gone and listened to any soundtracks to any of these horror movies? Like Poltergeist. Poltergeist is an unbelievable score. The movie score is just incredible. And uh, I wish I had had it up before uh, we started talking, but um, I can tell you who did it. Oh, uh, Gucci Mane did it. Gucci. Ah, Gucci. No. Uh, wow, it doesn't have a composer. It just says MGM Studio Orchestra. It's probably some staff guy that made music that will last the ages <laughs> and he will never be known. It, but it's incredible. And the one thing that I like about it is it, the very first track on the uh, on the soundtrack is the Star Spangled Banner. And do you know why that is? <laughs> because the films, uh, the TV, when it used to go off the air, yes. would play, play the Spider Spangled Banner. Yes. And that is ingrained in my head that Star Spangled Banner and then cut to snow. Yeah. Like, the I, same thing the, in um, Nightmare on Elm Street, if I remember right. They, they did the uh, Star Spangled Banner and then. Where back in the day on TV, like network TV, would have an endpoint for the day. It would go yeah, off the go air off, at some point. Yeah. yeah and which they is the unthinkable Spangled now. Right. Can you imagine? You imagine like the advertising dollars and the revenue that they lost because I know, right? Well, we can't afford to keep the lights on after eleven PM. <laughs> so we're gonna play the Star Spangled Banner and then go off the air. Yep, they would have that little black and white whatever it was with the Indian head on it. I don't know what that is today. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the it's like the test pattern. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the best word for it. Yeah. Um but anyway, well, like there is a soundtrack I do. Um, there's I'm going to give a shout out. I guess there's another podcast out there called the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. Pod, HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. Holla! Yes, right. And uh, there's two guys do it. It's, it's phenomenal. It's one of my favorite podcasts out there. And they obviously go through HP Lovecraft stories. Though they ran out of those stories, and they just go through like strange horror fiction from like the late 1800s, early 1900s in general. But the guy, one of the guys, Chad Pfeiffer, who is the co-host of it, is like a composer or musician, or he makes music in some form. And he made all the like background musics, like like as they're doing it, they'll read 
excerpts from the stories they're doing with atmospheric background music. And it's, you know, it's not any kind of vocals. It's just the, the instrumental, but it's very creepy, mm. very like very apropos to whatever they're talking about. And he did a great job with it. Actually bought a, bought the album, bought, bought the, I got the downloads of all the background music for the podcast because it was really cool. But it's horror. I mean, it fits. It's definitely moody and tonal of what it's, you're not going to hear a bubbly like do, 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 do or disco beat or something <laughs> like that when they're talking about a, you know, old God eating people from, beyond the ocean depths or some so crap like that it's atmospheric yes very atmospheric yeah and um another soundtrack i have which is uh a, a collector's item is diablo 2 the video game oh okay. they, they released the score the soundtrack to all the different levels and that's very like atmospheric and cool oh. i have i actually have that i love the tristram Music, yeah, like the guitar. The dun, yep. dun, dun. Yep. I love that song. I'll trade you CDs or I'll trade you sound files. It'd be MP3s, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so literature, comics, I suppose they could go under literature, the score, movies. Um, I think for the most part in the, tonight, we're going to be talking about um, movies. They'll probably take over. Probably, but I've, I've, I had some ideas about non-movie yeah horror but dalliances. for movies i am going to kind of refer to box office mojo because they're responsible for breaking down the cash which mm. when it when it comes to selling you something and if it's a horror movie trying to sell you something it's who's buying it yeah i mean so, the cash number is a number it's basically a symbol for how popular yeah so is. let me just tell you how Box Office Mojo breaks down the genre of horror, okay? Okay. There's horror period, which doesn't mean <laughs> it's it's not punctuation. It's period as in the time. Like it's oh, a, I thought you talked about like menstrual cycles are horrible. <laughs> Never mind. We'll, no, we'll move it, on. It's, it is basically um, something that like The Conjuring um, takes place at a certain period. Uh, the Village... Even though, spoiler alert, <laughs> <laughs> the period is late nineteen ninety. Yes, yeah, but it's supposed to be like colonial times. Um, oh wait, that that came out in like the early aughts, didn't it? Never mind. Yeah, take that. yeah. But so there's there's horror period, horror slasher. Yep. Uh, I for, for the fun of it, I'll name some of those like Halloween, Scream, mm. uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then there's horror supernatural. Uh, which would be like The Exorcist, uh, The Others, um, Amityville Horror, uh, Annabelle, The Ring, White Noise. Crush. Yeah, Supernatural. And then Horror, Terror in the Water. <laughs> wow, that's a subgenre. Genre. And that actually makes sense. It does. There's plenty. We'll talk about Jaws. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll talk about Jaws. Lake Placid. Um, the Deep. <laughs> this yeah. is funny because uh, I'm looking at the list right it. now. In the number five uh, earning terror in the water horror movie is The Shallows. And number six is The Deep. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently The Shallows are more frightening than The Deep. Yeah, because, you know, you're, you can actually see what's in the bottom. And it's, yeah. it's horrible. Yeah. Wait, so The Deep, that was the one with Sam Jackson, right? Uh, no, The Deep is an older movie. That was... Um, that was back in the seventies, uh, uh, like Piranha. What was the one with Sam Jackson? That was um, it was Deep Blue Sea. That was Sam Deep Jackson. Blue Sea. That's the one with okay, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so we have Terror in the Water, 
And then the next uh, category we have is torture. Ooh, like hostile. Yeah, you get into the saw. Mm. Even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre fits in there. They've they've actually kind of stuck it in there. I can see, um, you know, honestly, I can see that more than slasher because slasher always depicts or like at least brings to mind a stalker. Like yep. Hunting somebody down over time. Whereas the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like, oh, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, baby. We're going <laughs> to fuck with you. Yeah, you done fucked up. Yeah. Um, you came to us. We're not coming to you. Then the next we have anthology. And that includes oh, yeah. um, horror movies that basically are multiple, like sketches or multiple shorts within one movie, like Cat's Eye. VHS. Uh, oh, Cat's Eye. Creep Show. Oh. Um, Twilight Zone. Did you ever watch Cat's Eye? Yeah, of course. I watched the hell out of that when I was a kid. Loved it. That um, was the craziest. <laughs> just to let you know, under anthology, uh, the number 16 movie is Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. So if that tells you, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. VHS, ABCs of Death are in there. We'll talk about those uh, later. But <laughs> then we have horror comedy. Now this is where we're gonna we're gonna get into some weird ground because I have a question I want to pose to you. I I looked it up. Is Gremlins a horror movie? No, that's. I mean, the the internet that, disagrees with you. I know, right, right, right. Yes, I, I guess I would stick that in a weird horror comedy. Well, but that's okay. So in this, let me read off some of these horror comedies. Okay, Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know it's Cabin it's, in the Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Some pretty funny parts. Uh, Zombie Land. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, all the scary movies, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> snakes on a plane. Now this <laughs> one, I'm I'm with you with Gremlins being on the fence. This one. I don't think they've included it, but I don't think it passes the sniff test as a horror. They call Teen Wolf a horror. No, comedy. that's just there's there's such a there's a difference between horror, you know, being like horror comedy type of thing, and just comedy with a gimmick. Right. And Teen Wolf is comedy with a gimmick. The gimmick yeah. being he's a werewolf. Same with like Once Bitten. Yeah. I mean that's that's a. It's just. I mean they're vampires, vampire. but there's absolutely nothing scary about it like, um, wait one spin is that the one with jim carrey is that the one with wilson yeah. from house nope that's jim carrey jim carrey right yeah. yeah that was just a sex romp with he just happened to have they're having to be vampires yeah. yeah uh and finally we have horror remake how could that be its own category it's its own category because there are so many like I was looking at remakes uh, from last week and then um, just looking into it. And I think like horror is the most remade genre. I mean, honestly, I could start naming. Yeah, I can see that. The Ring uh, is a Japanese remake. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Amityville Horror, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Dawn of the Dead, The Omen, Evil Dead. uh, Halloween. Poltergeist. uh, Halloween. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes. It's just, it goes on and on and on. The Grudge is a remake of yep. the Japanese thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Crazies, Carrie, Last House on the Left, House the of thing. Wax. The, it, it like horror is unbelievably remade. Super it, remade. It's just so from they have it listed from 1982 to present. Horror remakes get their own category. See, horror. I don't, I don't like that though because whatever the remake is, is still the category of the original. Would. You think? Well, you would think, but 
you know, it I according guess, to them, it gets its own. It gets its own. Speaking of that, they're gonna remake once once again Invasion of the Body Snatcher. Oh, good. Which has I, been remade like four or five times already. I wonder if Liam Neeson will be in it or something. Who knows? <laughs> we need a big name. Uh, so let's get into what makes horror horror. So okay, let's start at the beginning for I guess each of us. What if you can? Can you have a origin point for your love of horror? Can you point to a spot where you said this is why I started to like horror? Or I guess I'm presuming something here. Do you love horror? Yes, I love. Okay. <laughs> yes, I love horror. You know, I love horror. Okay, I, I just want to get yeah. that on record. <laughs> I, uh, Your Honor, I like horror. Yeah. Um, He's a sick freak. He said it. It's it's recorded. Yeah, it's terrible. I the first one, the first horror movie that I can remember watching that was a horror movie is Salem's Lot. I remember watching Salem's Lot and mm-hmm. being scared to death, and I didn't like it. I see. My- we had this discussion. I would years assuming Salem's Lot was like a made-for-TV miniseries. Yeah, it, this was the movie okay. Salem's Lot, and it's it's the one where. Um, the, the there's a lot of yeah scratching. Okay, yeah. kids scratching at the window, and then the kids in the coffin, and then the grave digger jumps down on the coffin, and it's like you know the coffin's gonna pop open and jump scare <laughs> you, and of course it does, but it, it still scares you. I remember watching that, and I wasn't it, it didn't hook me because I didn't really like it. Yeah, and then um, I remember the next movie I watched. This was just going purely on feelings and what i remember i remember watching poltergeist and absolutely loving that movie i mm-hmm. like i it was on hbo and i probably watched it i i'm sure i vcr'd it you know put a vcr tape in and recorded it and i probably wore it out watching poltergeist the original poltergeist. <laughs> um so like that really hooked me and then um for weird reasons if i told you why i liked poltergeist it would it probably wouldn't make that much sense to you um you have a puppet fetish I love puppets. Mm-hmm. You know I love puppets. Uh, and they love you. No, um, I remember that neighborhood in the very beginning. If you remember that, the opening sequence to Poltergeist is a guy riding a bike and he's carrying a six pack and the kid's got the remote control car that he's weaving in and out of the guy's, you know, and he flips the bike and busts open a beer and they go in and they're watching the game. And then the two guys are like <laughs> warring with the remote controls. The two neighbors are like the clickers. Do you, I don't know if you remember that. I just it's remember been a while. I, don't, I really don't. I, I just remember those neighborhood roads. It was like a cul-de-sac, you know, yeah. no cars, kids out in the street playing, houses really close to each other. So, you know, all the kids got to play at each other's houses and stuff like that. Like I fell in love with that neighborhood. Yeah. And then all the shit started to happen. <laughs> so like it was that, you know, I was probably, I don't know, 10, 11. I don't, I don't remember exactly when Poltergeist came out, but you know, I was young enough to be impressionable about that, those types of things. And of course my parents didn't give a shit that I watched it. So I sat there <laughs> watching that scary movie and it just, it really appealed to me. And I've, I've liked horror as a whole sense. So that I'd say that would be my origin. As far as literature goes, I didn't read a Stephen King book until I was in high school. And I think I, I read the dark half and, you know, that was good, but it didn't hook me. And then I went in the service and I read The Stand. And there I, you go. I read The Stand probably, I don't know how many times I read it, just back to back to back. I love that book. Um, now, did you ever read the, um, what, the extended unabridged version? Yes. That's that's the one I had. That was my only copy. Oh, okay. Because I never read that version. I, I didn't even know it existed until after I read yeah. it. I didn't get around to rereading it. I don't, I remember seeing 
some of the things that were different. Like, I think that they took the part out where the guy shoves the barrel of the gun up the guy's ass and jerks him off. <laughs> well, wasn't there like a, yeah, like extended stuff with the trash can man or something? Yeah, there was, there was some things that were incredibly questionable <laughs> that were just yeah, cut yeah. right out that really didn't do anything for the oh, story. But having said that, before I forget, talk about Stephen King. Do you know, like, they're making the new It movie. Mm-hmm. Do you know the scene from the book that's probably never going to make it into the movie? No. Uh, in the book, when they're all kids, they all run a train on the girl. Oh. <laughs> that is a scene from the book. They they have to do it to get spiritually connected again so they can find their way out of the sewer. I was but yeah, it. a bunch of 12-year-olds have an orgy. I, not, I, I am not even kidding. I did it all wrong when I was 12. I <laughs> should have found a clown. Yeah. I didn't know that that's what you needed to do. Um, uh, that was I, I'm sitting there reading. I, re, I read that in high school. I'm like, wait, what? Wait, <laughs> what? Yeah. What is happening here? Oh my um, god! I watched. Uh, yeah, I I got most of my horror from movies. I didn't I didn't read a lot of horror books. Uh, um, but I remember watching like uh, Night of the Living Dead, trying to get into the classics a little bit, trying to right, you know right. and. Uh, you know, of course, if you if you take Gremlins into account, and they, if that's a horror movie, the Twilight Zone movie, like there were a lot of things that once I watched Poltergeist and got an appetite for horror, I, I was on. I I love that shit. I sought out like Psycho, uh, The Birds. Um, I had an English teacher, uh, Mr. Doucette, in high school that really like opened my eyes to a lot of like like weird stuff. Like he had comic books that he'd bring in and let me borrow and stuff like that. That you know he just he had these interests and tried to share with a bunch of people that, and he was like an eccentric kind of guy and, um, got me, got me into a lot of that type of stuff that I probably wouldn't have gotten into otherwise. It's funny. Cause I remember you mentioned him about the, the music that you got yeah. into too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was a, like uh Rocky horror picture show and stuff like that. Huh. Like that, that's one thing that you probably, that's some trivia about me that you might not know is I know every word to every Rocky horror picture show song. <laughs> Wow, because I can tell you about like, let's see, let's do the time warp again, yeah, and uh, something about transsexual Transylvania vaguely, <laughs> yeah, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, I'm just a sweet transvestite. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> From transsexual, but, uh, uh, but yeah, that that's hey, wait, my origin. And we just had a bridge there. We we started talking about it, and then we went to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, you know, Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Yeah, there we go. Tim Curry connection. He's ah. he's a gifted person. He's a good actor. <laughs> um, so let's talk about your origin, H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, uh, no, Steve. oh no, you're wrong. You thought you knew me. You you do not know me. That's not your I, origin. That is not my origin by a long shot. My origin for my irredeemable love of horror movies is um, well, let's just call it. Let's just call it what it is. We're into pervert corner right now. Porn. Pervert corner. Yes, porn. When you couldn't get porn, basically this is this was my life as a as a horny adolescent. <laughs> Every Friday, um, Friday night or Saturday night, no, it was actually Saturday night because Friday night was wrong for all kinds of reasons. We're not going to get into. So Saturday night, Saturday night, me and my family would go rent movies every week. Mm-hmm. It was a weekly, and we would each be able to get one. So my parents kind of as one person for whatever reason they would get one. My brother would get one. I would get one. And we usually watch two on Saturday night, one on Sunday morning, something like that. Mm -hmm. I realized fairly quickly 
that <laughs> horror goes hand in hand with one other thing Dips. boobies <laughs> yeah horror and boobies go hand in hand so i would become this movie box aficionado <laughs> you could tell by the box oh, how many no, boobies I, were gonna be in it i was pretty good i can't say i was the best because i would have some uh it would fall flat sometimes it wouldn't work out like i wanted to but yeah i could look i would look at the box do an evaluation say okay this one's probably gonna have some and i would rent it for no other reason that i was pretty sure this one would have some tits in it because i learned pretty well i learned pretty quick that um horror movies tend to homogenize into like a lot of the same stuff so really i didn't really care about the horror aspect of it as much as this one might have might have a good chance of having some tits in it uh as a side note uh, Powerball this week was seven hundred million dollars. Had I won, with that. had I won, I was going to build myself a pretty big house, and in my big house, one of the rooms was going to be a video store, a VHS oh, nice. video <laughs> store, and I would seek out all those VHS that I used oh, to find in the video store and stare at those VHS covers, like, oh my god, this one is going to be so good, or oh my god, this looks so cheesy, I have to watch it. So uh, you would have the cardboard box and then like the, the yep. clamshell video cassette behind. Yep. You. Absolutely. Oh, I, yeah. would, I would recreate a video store in my house. Like that, Blockbuster. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, we had uh, Milo Video. Which See, is, I say that, but when I was a kid, it was Video Giant for me. So. Yeah. Uh, I would absolutely recreate one. And I'd, <sighs> you know, I'd probably have to find one of my friends I'd employ to be... <laughs> To work behind the counter, like <laughs> you know, leave your job. I'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year to work in my fake video store. <laughs> <laughs> oh and my then, god, you'd have so many people coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, to, and then I'd be the worst boss. That job, I'd right? be terrible. Yeah. Hey, we only moved like twenty units last month. What's up with that? You're not selling yourself. <laughs> <laughs> when I walk in here, I want you to recommend something that is so good that. Yeah, no. yeah. I want you to wax the static about all these different movies and why this one's superior to that one. And I want you to talk about why stormtroopers <laughs> deserve to die on the Death Star. Yeah. That Is that Clerks? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was a total clerk reference. Yeah. Try not to suck Anyways. any dick on the way to the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, one of my favorite movie. quotes ever. That movie was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the video store was such a mecca. I have such fond memories of just the video store in general. Just. Just if I see like an old movie from not even necessarily horror, but an old movie artwork from the from the box from the eighties, I can even tell you not just oh I remember seeing that, but like mentally going through the front door of the video store, turning to the right, that was the horror section. Mm-hmm. Three different you know uh, aisles, shelvings yeah. were horror section. If you walk, walked around to the corner, you were into the action. If you turn left a little bit more, you were into the dramas. I, I remember that. I always remember that. Where do they keep the porn? Ah, uh, the curtain, the, the, the beaded curtain. <laughs> yep. Every single the video back room. Floor had the back room with the curtain you could walk through yeah. and get yourself a porno. Yep. Yeah. And it's it either like a beaded curtain or like a neon red, like lit up, like yeah. strings hanging down vertically. Yeah. With the sign oh, that says yeah. porn. But I couldn't do that. When I was a kid, my parents were not going to let me go to the porn. Hence why. And I thought I was. Maybe I was. I mean, to this day, I never heard my mom or dad say, yeah, we knew what you were doing. (laughs) I think I really was successfully subtle about it, whereas I was like, yeah, I love horror movies. That was secondary. I love titties. Love them. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, the crown jewel in my discoveries, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Really? That one was a titacular, spectacular, titacular, however you want to say it. Titillating. 
titillating titular <laughs> the titular <laughs> title of the titty fest the tittle the title tittle tittle title to my titty titles uh, uh, yeah i know what you mean um i knew that it came hand in hand but i mean action movies had a lot of that too or not probably as much but see action movies always had like the one maybe the two sex scenes like they always had the saxophone slow yeah, the, the slow yeah. sax <laughs> and then the slow sex yeah right the the you the know you get a flash sex. you get some nips but you, for the most part it's just a little bit of a shadowy grinding under the covers you know <laughs> that was the action the, the, the horror movies were tits bouncing around pretty quickly covered with blood so you know say what you will about me but Okay. No, I was still into it. Okay, psychopath. Uh, I know. I am. You're okay, right. Okay, now that we've established that you used to watch horror to get the tits, mm-hmm. where did you where did you turn? What where did you turn the corner saying, "Okay, now I like horror for horror, not just the tits." Was there something that you watched that was like, "I don't even was care." I, was I, I supposed watched. to have turned that corner? This... <laughs> oh, oh shit. No. So many good horror movies that are just horror uh, movies without the tits. Like, no, I, actually, actually, I'll tell you where I did turn that corner. Um, probably the Halloween franchise. That was when I sat down, and Halloween did have, a, I think, some nudity at some points, but barely at all. The originals, the Rob Zombie remake had a, a Jamie Lee Curtis. J- Jamie Lee Curtis never got naked until Trading Places. I, but I know, but that's the you're talking about the Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, the originals. So. Those me and my brother were super into that whole franchise, and we that was that was a slasher that was in my mind the best slasher movies. Every single one of the, I think there was six originally before they started kind of rebooting slash modernizing the sequels on that one. Mm-hmm. But like Halloween one two three four five six, and you know Halloween three was a divergence, but all the rest of them with Michael Myers. Michael Myers is creepy. He. He was more of a stalker than all the other slasher monsters. You know, the we talked about the horror comedy franchise. I, I really say the later Nightmare on Elm Street fit into that category because mm-hmm. Freddy was just a one-line-in pun bacon. Hey, he had a glove with knives. I know. I'm sorry. He was a he was a character of, caricature of himself by the end. Yeah, but uh, Halloween had as ridiculous as it got. Still was very engaging. Every single movie had a twist ending like there was one where for no reason throughout the entire i think it was five throughout the entire movie this weird guy in a trench coat and a big hat was just appearing for a couple seconds on a bus coming towards the town what was it haddonfield and uh and at the very end they actually capture michael myers in a jail cell and then this guy comes in there whips out a fucking machine gun and shoots up the entire police station and you have no idea where he is or where he came from or why he's doing this. And you're like, what's happening? And that's how it ends. And you're like, oh, my God. It's crazy. It was the greatest thing. And I loved it. That That's when I started really loving horror for horror, just for the, yeah. the thrills of it, I think. So Halloween. Yeah. that's what So what do you got? What do you? Well, no, I was. Was it Poltergeist or was it? Yeah, Poltergeist was it for me. That really, like I said, got me on the train and then i i watched some really good horror i think that the the 80s were a really good time to learn mm. to love horror um if i had to if i had to put my very favorite horror movie up there i it would have to be the scariest that i'd mm-hmm. watched and i haven't watched it in a very long time but the exorcist for me takes the cake See, yeah that's what everybody says and i didn't watch the exorcist so as an adult 
Yeah, I, I watched it as a kid and it, it scarred me. So I well, still I, the imagery. I can see it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Oh, what was it that screwed me up there? Uh. I love the Amityville movie, mm-hmm. Amityville Horror. Um. It was Hellraiser. I think Hellraiser would be at the tops of my list. And that's. I mean, I don't know what it is about that movie. It's Hellraiser is creepy as shit. Like yeah, that's another one. Like for the same reason I didn't watch Exorcist till I was an adult. I couldn't watch Hellraiser till I was an adult because I was forbidden from watching anything quote unquote satanic. Mm-hmm. That was my upbringing. That's the way it was. My parents were cool with me watching a guy hacking somebody to death with a machete. <laughs> but if you bring Satan into it, that was a no go zone. Yeah. So I, I didn't watch Hellraiser till I was in my thirties. I didn't watch The Exorcist till I was in my thirties. But uh. Yeah, I can see, especially if I had seen Hellraiser when I was, I don't know, 13, mm-hmm. I would have been fucked up. Like yep. that, in my 30s, I'd watch it like, wow, this is messed up, man. Like it did it for me as an adult, seeing it for the first time. Yeah. Hellraiser's good. <clears throat> um, do you, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, do you know why horror movies hit us the way they do? Like, do you have, I have, I have my own theory on, what is attractive about horror at the same time. Well, not necessarily why it's attractive to us, but why it scares us because the reality of it is you're sitting in front of a movie. Like Mm. you go into it, you pay for a ticket or you turn it on your TV. You know, it is a television show. You know, it is not real yet. It still frightens you. And I have a, I have a theory on that um, that we've talked about before, but I've just recently come to discover like it, it actually has a name. Um, Mm. Have you ever heard of the Uncanny Valley? Yeah, well, if it's what I'm thinking of, it's that the only the only reference I've heard for Uncanny Valley is for CGI. Yeah, like it hits if you hit the Uncanny Valley, it's where it becomes too real and it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah, there's actually back in 1970 there was a Japanese guy that wrote an essay and essentially it explored. He was a robotics guy. He built robots. And in the essay, he talked about the more lifelike you create something, the more repulsed humans are going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. We've talked about that. And I didn't know that it actually had a name. Um, That basically there's a graph of how you can plot along this graph about how comfortable people are based on the affinity of what they're watching. So Disney movies, you notice Disney movies have like no human being in the Disney movies look like actual humans. They have like oh, right. bug eyes, you know, huge character, big like heads. big foreheads and like everything about them is weird, but you can tell that they're human and like everybody is okay with that. They're a human facsimile basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, Robert Zemeckis started a, a computer graphic movie production company. And they put out like Beowulf and um, Mars Needs Moms and uh, right. A Christmas Carol, uh, The Polar Express. Yeah. And there's another one. Oh, uh, Final Fantasy. Put out those these, movies didn't do that good. They all sucked. Every single yeah. one of them tanked. And it was because people came out of the theater hating it, hating the fact that they tried to get as close as they did um, to a human yeah. being. And the... I've watched, I just recently, uh, I tried watching Beowulf and it is, it, it's unwatchable on Like, I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know if you've tried yeah, to watch I watched it again. It once years ago. Yeah. If you try and watch it again, it is absolutely unwatchable. I guarantee within 10 minutes, you're not able to watch it. <clears throat> and it's all the human beings. Everything else is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Everything is like, um, 
uh, the scenery and the landscape and the way they do water, like all these things are incredible. Or even the monsters are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything about it is, is great except the humans and especially their faces. Right. And so I think that, uh, when I stumbled upon this, um, the, the guys over at uh, Stuff You Should Know, they do a podcast. They did an awesome podcast on the Uncanny Valley. If you ever want to know what the Uncanny Valley is, they they did a great job. But um, I can think back to where this really hit me. Back in the 80s, there was a music video by Herbie Hancock for uh, a song called Rocket. And it featured a lot of robots matter- <laughs> exclusively. I think that it was all robots playing instruments, and they were all creepy as fuck <laughs> i don't do you know what i'm talking about the only rocket i know is the def leopard one so I no herbie hancock did a song called rocket if you should go to youtube and yeah. watch the video it is frightening as shit the, the they're like these legs that are dressed in pants but there's no torso or anything and they're <laughs> moving in such a way that is creepy it's just really really fucking creepy and that's for me that's the uncanny valley that's where i hit my the valley on this graph that I don't like looking at that kind of stuff. And so this is where it flips and I'm a sick person, uh, but most people are sick that (laughs) they like that feeling of being creeped out. Yes. So basically I feel what that means is we have like evolution has fucked us up. Evolution has not prepared us for entertainment evolution like the right for like the fiction right like there's um pathogen avoidance theory which is this whole theory that like human beings are through evolution have been taught that like if you see a corpse you should run away from it because something has killed that person Mm -hmm. and you should you need to leave and diseases and like the smell of shit like there's all kinds of things that i know that you're more of an expert on this than i am but i feel like evolution has taught us one thing and now we're able to use our imaginations to see another thing and we like it and that might be one of those things that is an anomaly because we're you know i don't know how far back you can go to see where horror was explored i know in literature it goes further back than cinema i mean Mm -hmm. because they couldn't make movies but as soon as they could make movies like the uh edison his production company yeah they would routinely like do test pictures where they're like chopping off heads of dummies and doing things, you know, like they did a production of Frankenstein almost immediately. It was like they explored horror before they explored other, other stories. Right. So there was something about like this people liking to be afraid, you know? So in our era, I think that they've refined it so much that we might be desensitized a little bit, but I think that it all like you can't graph it, but if you could graph it, it would be along the lines of people want to go to the movie theater to see things that are going to gross them out or scare them. And now it's kind of plateaued a little bit where we almost need to see something else that's going to frighten us more than what they're doing right now. Like for somebody that's interested in the genre, like when was the last time you went to a movie theater and was absolutely frightened? I can tell you exactly what it was. Um, the grudge, which came out in what I want to say like 2005 or something like that. Yeah, 2005, something like that, somewhere around there, give or take a couple of years. But that was, I mean, it's a, I remember thinking that I remember being depressed by that, by that thought that it's been that long since I was genuinely scared 
in a movie. Like I saw The Grudge, and I was they had its jump scares, but it had it was disturbing to me for its psychological reasons. And then literally that night, I had nightmares, and I was a grown ass adult, and I hadn't had nightmares since I was a kid. And mm-hmm. I had some. I, I was like laying in bed, couldn't go to sleep because I was paranoid. Said that what is wrong with me? I know there's no ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. This is the stupidest goddamn thing in the world. Couldn't go to sleep. Finally felt went to sleep. Had nightmares. I was a wreck the next day. I I was you know sleep deprived and twitchy yep. and yeah you know, yeah that was the last time. But I would love to experience that again. As masochistic as that sounds, like I said, it was sad that that's the last time I was truly scared at a movie because that's what that's why we do horror is because we want that thrill. Of mm-hmm. being afraid because being afraid creates a chemical reaction in our brain. I mean, I I don't know if it's endorphins or oxycot oxycot dopamine <laughs> oxytocin or dopamine. It's some kind of chemical dump in our brain that happens when we're trigger that flight or fright Fight. basic evolutionary impulse in us. So we can get that. Oh my god! I get this adrenaline rush. I get this dopamine endorphin rush without actually being in danger. I'm just sitting in the seat, so I'm gonna I'm gonna twitch. I'm gonna jerk back. I'm gonna go. Oh my god! I'm gonna ex- inhale really rapidly. My pupils are gonna dilate. My blood vessels are gonna pump my blood hard through my whole body. My adrenaline is the course through your veins. Yeah, my heart's gonna jackhammer, but I'm not gonna be in any actual danger. It's all happening on a flat screen in front of me, mm-hmm. so I get that vicarious thrill, which is the same as it's a it's a flip coin of like rom coms or tear jerkers. You get that weird, like you're sad, but you get that emo- we are, we are addicts to emotion as human beings with a little For- bit of morbid curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we're always curious about everything. That's the hallmark of being human. Is you're curious. You're oh the Number one way to get somebody to do something is tell them not to do it. <laughs> tell them it's forbidden. Tell them don't press this red button and then walk out of the room. You are somebody's going to press that goddamn red button. Well, yeah, they, we they, we put a disclaimer on one of our podcasts to not listen to it, and uh, that's yeah, the one that everybody's listening number to. Number one downloaded episode, exactly. Telling somebody not to do something is a surefire way to do it because we're all curious. So we all have that gratuitous. I wonder what's going to happen next. Oh, I can't look, but I'm going to look because I need to know what's going to happen next. Right. But uh, yes, like the tearjerkers and the horror movies are the flip side of the same coin is we want that emotional experience without having the danger inherent. You know, if I if, if I watch a movie about, you know, a, a, a thinker that has a lot of scientific explanation of something and I'm intellectually satisfied with it, I'm like, that's pretty cool. But I'm not going to walk out of there and be like this is amazing this is oh my god i gotta watch that again oh i can't believe that or i'm not going to dwell on it for hours afterwards not for the most part maybe a few of them but for the most part i'm like that was really interesting and engaging psychologically i'm satisfied but the horror movies i'm gonna watch again and again i'm gonna go back i'm gonna see and this is horror genre especially i'm gonna see nine out of ten of them are gonna be shitty as shit can be to try to find that one that does it for me. Well, I've found this to be interesting. Um, to prepare for this episode, I kind of wanted to go back and make a list, of course, of movies ah, yes. that I like. Um, but I started seeing some real stinkers. Like, I, I started coming across some movies that were just, like, not really that good. Mm-hmm. And I still was curious enough to read the synopsis of them. Not one of the synopses that I read were bad. Like, right. a, nar- a, a quick narrative about what it's about is always good it's all about the the movie itself like the um 
Well, like I just said, I spent 15 to 20 minutes trying to find a horror movie to watch on Netflix today because all the synopsis are like, well, that could be good. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. It has some potential. Yeah. You, I mean, you go to some really bad horror movie Wikipedia pages and just read the plot synopsis. It's going to sound good to you. Like, <laughs> like even stupid things like The Blob, you know. Like some of these, some of these really bad movies sound really, really oh, good. Oh, oh! I never saw the original, but I loved the goddamn remake of the Blob. Yeah. Love that movie. <laughs> well, and it was bad. You're right, but I there's something about that freaking movie. I thought it was great. Well, killer, and, killer clowns from outer space. Oh, I love that. I have it. Oh, on. that was the greatest. And it sounds like a fucking train wreck if you just read the synopsis of it, and it probably really is. Yeah. If you look at it objectively, but. There is uh, a love affair between horror movies and camp movies. Like, yeah, the the campier the better. Return of the Living Dead, not not of the Living Dead. Return right. of the Living Dead. And I have to admit to you that that movie scared me. Really? When I was a kid, it was bonkers. But there were some, <laughs> there were some jump scares with images that affected me, like the guy with just the torso that was chasing the people around. Mm. That. It was one that's that stuck with me that if that happened to me, you know, I mean, obviously just escape on foot. But the guy was trapped in the room and this torso was chasing it. It was that was a stupid movie. Good, but stupid that affected <laughs> it, well, it hit all the buttons. I'll tell you, you said your formative movie that scared the crap out of you was uh, Poltergeist or The Exorcist or something yep. like that. Yep. I could tell you mine and I could tell you for one reason. Jaws 3. Not Jaws. Wait, that's the revenge. That's 3D. Jaws 3D. Jaws 3D, right. And yeah. I didn't see it in 3D. I just saw what it was. They ported it over to the to TV. Yep. I was pretty young when it came out. And there's a scene, because the whole spiel is that they're in an underwater amusement park. Mm-hmm. So there's like these tunnels that go underwater. Yeah. There's this part where somebody got eaten by the shark earlier on. And his whole skeleton or like his decomposed body or half-eaten body floats up in this transparent tube where all the people can see it. Yeah. I happened to catch that. Not even watch the movie. It was on TV and I happened to catch that part scared the ever loving shit out of me when I was a little kid. <laughs> I used to do my nightly prayers and I'd say, please help make sure the skeleton, the square headed skeleton does not get me. Cause first, <laughs> when I was a kid, it looked like a square head for me. I don't know why. Yeah. Please help God that the square headed skeleton does not get me. I would yeah. pray that for like a year. Every night, solid, because it scared the ever-loving crap out of me. Well, you know what? The prayer worked, because the square-headed skeleton did not get you, so... Or maybe it did, and I'm possessed by a square-headed skeleton. Well, power that would, ex- that would explain a lot of things in my life, I think. <laughs> well, you have nothing but Christ to thank for that, so... <laughs> the, the power of Christ did not compel me, I guess. <laughs> Damn well, square-headed skeletons. Let's... I know we're going to spend a lot of time on it, so let's just shift gears right into zombies. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we go, I got an honorable mention. I got to do a shout out. The other one that scared the crap out of me, House. Oh, yes. That one didn't scare me as much as it intrigued me. I love the the one jump scare got me in that one. That's when the, the wife. Yeah, the wife turns around and she's oh, the monster. She bends over to pick up like a shotgun shell that's on the ground. And she stands up and she's the monster. Yeah. I really pissed myself when I was a kid. Yep. Oh, that, that got me. But I loved... Is it Bill at the end? The skeleton walking around with the M60 machine gun, just blasting the shit out of things. It was uh, I can't it remember was Bull his name. from Nighthouse. It was Bull, but Nightcourt, Nightcourt. he called him by name. I can't remember who he was, but I yeah, love. I just that remember shit. Bull. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I love House. That's something uh, every kid 
in the 80s had to watch that. The sequels were yeah. pretty goofy, but, you know, whatever. That's what sequels are for. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. funny because the, the, the original had George Went, who was Nor from Cheers, and the sequel had... Uh, Cliff Clavin. Cliff Clavin, Ratzenberger. What's his first? Ah, whatever. Something Ratzenberger. <laughs> yeah, so the Cheers sandwich going on right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, zombies. Ah, zombies. Love and love hate relationship with zombies, man. I love zombies. I oh, I love them. I love the when genre. It's, when it's done bad, it's real bad. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's probably blasphemy, but I'm going to tell you right now that my favorite zombie movie is Zombieland. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I love Zombieland, but I can't. I can't equate that with a zo- quote unquote zombie movie. Well, I mean, the, it's a comedy. Okay. It's it is it's a comedy, but if you think about the premise of zombies, it's it's actually I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that it is an outside thing that's coming to kill us that uh, we have to prepare for, and ultimately mm. in the end we're going to win. But um, like The Mist, Maximum Overdrive, all these movies are the same type of movie where there is an outside force that is coming to get you, and you have to prepare for them, and you have to you know just the zombie one gives us the opportunity to shoot our neighbor. <laughs> You know, yeah, right? Yeah, because there's um, you know, so it allows us to go all crazy and kill you know human beings that aren't humans anymore. Mm-hmm. It's you know that whole thing. But I think of, of all these movies, like zombie movies, The Mist, uh, Maximum Overdrive, it's not it. One of the things that I love so much about them is the fact that you have to stop what you're doing and deal with the current threat wherever you are. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a crazy person. I promise you. But multiple times a week. You know what crazy people would say first thing? I'm not, I'm not crazy. A crazy. Yeah. But, you know, and it's a fantasy, and it's something that gets me through the day. But I love to stop and think about what would I do if the mist came? What would I do right now if zombies attacked? You know, like, <laughs> if if I'm at work at the jail, and there's a zombie outbreak outside the jail, you know, I'm safe from now, then what? You know, like, oh, yeah. where are my provisions? Where's my food? Where's my water source? How can I escape? And I do that <laughs> multiple times during a week in my home. It, you know, everybody has a plan. For oh, it's a zombie outbreak. You remember my plan, which your... fuck all y'all. You shot it down pretty quick, but raid the hospital. Yeah, that's not that's not good. No, that's a, that's a great plan. That's where and everybody's I, I will be. stand by. It. No, I will stand by it. OK, so nope, I had a plan. I had it. I had it. It's ready. <laughs> Hey, I plotted it out and everything. I had yeah, a but four plan to go. In the story, you also had zombies having sex. Yes, well, that's a byproduct. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that was that was a lot. <laughs> but uh, everybody gave me shit for everything I said. No, that's not true. No, no, I have a complex now. That's, I'm, okay. I'm I'm dredging up repressed memories. I remember now zombie sex. No, that was bad. <laughs> Reading in hospital. No, that was bad. Okay, now that now that you mention it, you it was it was bad. <laughs> um, I am standing by all of it. Raid right a hospital while zombies are having sex. That's way it worked. Um, See, no, that makes sense to me. Zombies are all about basic instincts, which was eating. Why can't zombies be about another basic instinct, which is fucking? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, I just I don't think that they. I I think that when I my the zombies I like my zombies only want one thing, and that's to eat my brains. That's it. Fine. My zombies don't want to get can, down and dirty. They can eat something else at the same time. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. I would watch. <laughs> but I mean, then after they were done, I would shoot them both 
and then move on. Well, oh yeah, I mean yeah, you gotta shoot them both. It's just to have no witnesses that you watch. Nothing <laughs> else. <laughs> Wait, so you're counting the zombies as witnesses? Yeah, like, they can tell they're like zombie buddies. Yeah, we were getting it on. This guy was totally just jacking it watching yeah. us. This perv over here, he was standing behind the plastic fern, watching <laughs> us have zombie sex. Yeah, he, he had disgusting. his he had his junk out. It was it almost made me not want to finish, but we finished, and then we're gonna eat his brains. But he ran away. The, the zombies would totally be gossiping like that. You know, you would have a you'd have. I'm a, sure you would have a reputation. Like you would, there'd be a point when the zombies are coming en masse. And you'd be there with your fucking chainsaw in one hand, your shotgun in the other. They just start laughing at you. Oh, that's yeah. the guy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you gotta you're the kill one. The yeah. You gotta kill the witnesses. Damn it. Uh, okay. Seriously, what is your plan if there's a zombie outbreak tonight? Uh, find you so you can protect me. <laughs> we'll just come to like the I don't. I got. I have a. I have a rifle. I have some ammo. I do not have a very easily defendable position. So I don't know. I, I don't I love the genre, I love the idea of it, but I think for different reasons than you do. So I'm not one that has sat down and said, What would I do to survive a zombie apocalypse? Not in a long time and not seriously. Well, see? Unprepared. What if the zombie apocalypse happened tomorrow? That would be I have a bunch of soylent, so I'd have food to hold up for a while, huh? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got potato chips. That's my backup. There you go. Um go to hospital, that's my plan. <laughs> Well, you know what's waiting for you at the hospital? Medicine, food. Everybody else in the world yep. that wants medicine and food. Allies. Oh, they're allies? They're allies. Yeah, I could, I could convince them. I could be king of the apocalypse. <laughs> Smooth talking, you know. Yeah. I, that's totally okay, cool. guys, we're going to share all this food and medicine. Look, we're going to have a system. It's going to work. We're going to get along. We'll link arms and sing Kumbaya. It's going to happen. Yeah. No, my plan is to hole up and just shoot everybody. <laughs> shoot everything that approaches. When you come to my hospital begging, I'm going to remember this moment. I'm just saying. I, I won't. I, I uh, like. No, I'll be spiteful. I'll be spiteful and refuse. <laughs> like I could, I could have been shot or bit by a zombie, and like my wife will be like, "Oh my god, we got to get to the hospital." I mean, no, no, <laughs> no. Steve's there, and he, he's going to yeah. rub it in. I'm not going. Yeah. I'm he not will going. absolutely rub this in my face. I will not give him the satisfaction. <laughs> I'll be in the room going, hey, Tom, remember? <laughs> you'll be like king of the hospital. You'll be like, you'll have a throne of like <laughs> syringes and medical apparatus. Crutches and wheelchairs. Yeah. yeah. Have Who's I laughing at old-timey nurse outfits just because I can? <laughs> you'll have zombies on leashes. I- I'm convinced that in every hospital there's a closet full of old-timey nurse outfits. So I'd find that. Candy stripers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love I love the zombie genre. I so okay, so you love the zombie genre because is it only because you can imagine what you would do in that situation? So you is there nothing else, or is that just the biggest reason? Well, I think the the zombie genre, the subgenre, is king of the heap because I love the whole uh, survival aspect. The zombies give they bring so much to the table with mm-hmm. disease and the ability to shoot them. Um, you know, for every zombie out there, there's an empty house that you can go to. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. having an, a true open world after something <laughs> like that happened. Um, that that subgenre is not like any other horror because you take like Jeepers Creepers. You're fighting a singular monster. And when the monster's been defeated, you're going to go on to your normal life and your normal life is going to be shit. 
you know, you're going to go right back to the grindstone. Uh, Jeepers uh, Creepers, they did not win. I'm just <laughs> I know, but like <laughs> the hitcher, you know, yeah, um, you you, t- you take most of these horror movies and when you've defeated the foe at the end, you're going to go right back to your life. I love these survival type movies where the world is gone. The world as you know it, you know, all the constructs of a normal world are gone. Now it's time to rebuild right. and survive. And I don't know what that says about me that I want to just hit the reset button <laughs> on my life. But uh, I know just the whole thing fascinates me. Like the the world would become your playground. Imagine being able to go places that there's nobody there. You know, go to Times Square and talk about a place that you'd probably run into a lot of people. But, you know. <laughs> There would come a day where you'd be able to roam free, and I don't know. Plus, it's it's attractive. That that whole idea is attractive to me, and well, I don't there's know the, why. There's a bit of the, for want of a better word, the fun aspect to it, where the guilt free, I can mow down hordes of you know quote unquote people, humanoids. Yes, completely guilt free. In fact, I am doing the world a service by just unloading magazine after magazine after magazine into a, a crowd. So that there's that weird cathartic feeling when it comes to zombies. But I'll tell you. What it is about the zombie genre that grabs me, that makes it one of my favorite horror um, subgenres or tropes or whatever you want to call it, is two reasons. One is almost like the opposite of what you were saying, which is putting myself in a situation where everything I know is slowly breaking down. Like my favorite zombie movie, and this is maybe weird because this never seems to be on the list of anybody's favorite zombie movie, is the Dawn of the Dead remake. They're in the mall. The one with Ving Rhames and yeah, they all go to the mall. Not yep. the original, but the remake because it had the fast zombie. Yeah. And the beginning of that movie where the girl, like the little girl goes in the, the couple's bedroom and yeah, bites she the jumps. husband. Yeah. And then she jumps yeah. up. And then it goes from there where she gets the, the, the woman gets outside and it's, and then it builds and slowly you realize that she realizes that it's everywhere. Yeah. She gets her car drives and they pan up. And they show the entire city like explosions and crowds Chaos. trying to get away. Like the idea that your world is gone in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And you weren't ready for it. You weren't expecting it. And you're going to have to adapt to it. That's scary to me. The idea of that everything you knew is gone and you are, you're going to have to adapt or die. That and this other concept, which is, it's kind of intertwined with jump square, jump scares traditionally, but the idea that an ally becomes an enemy in a blink of an eye has always scared me too. Well, if, Something that I've mentioned to you before because of the story that I've tried to write, um, partially written, is something that the idea that at what point does the rule of law leave a person? Because you're right. Like, I mean, you take two strangers that are human beings that team up to survive a zombie apocalypse type situation. At what point? Do they both realize or what point do they realize there's nothing stopping me from killing this other person and taking everything they have? Like right, as a human yeah. being, as a human being, at what point does the law not affect me anymore? If I walk into somebody, and, you know, like at that point, everything becomes a crime or yeah. there are no crimes. Like, it's, well, yeah, like the law is out the window. So at what point is the cold calculation of survival take over? Right. Like. Are you going to be that compassionate person that is going to help somebody that's in trouble? Or are you going yeah. to be the kind of person to say, no, you're just going to weigh me down. Goodbye. And I'm going to take what you have. Right. Um, like you can find a partner to survive the zombie apocalypse with if they are useful to you. The minute they don't become useful to you, how much empathy would you have right. versus, sorry, you're a weight. I'd rather live. See you later. You know? 
Yeah. That's why when I'm watching, when I used to watch The Walking Dead, I was, I was Shane. <laughs> I'm with Shane. Shane's my boy. He knew what was right. Up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was you like, know. we're going to survive and we're going to do some fucked ups. Well, like, yeah, that scene where they're running away and he shoots that guy in the leg. Too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. slow, you know, you're slowing me down, fat boy. I'm just going to shoot you in we're, the knee. It's been a while, but if I remember right, Shane was kind of hurt. The guy was helping him. Yeah. So in the end, the guy was the sucker. Yeah. Shane was a survivor because he did what the guy couldn't do, what the guy yeah. should have done. Yes, but and that's that's just like that fascinates me. That well, that's funny that. too because everybody looks at this like Shane's an asshole, Shane's a villain. But if you look at it objectively, if that if that guy who was the good guy would have kept doing the good guy thing, they would have both died, and Carl would have died. Yeah, eventually. Because if you remember, they were. They were they left to go get medicine for Carl because Carl. Had oh yeah, that's right. Because he got shot. So Shane sacrificing that guy who was not willing to sacrifice. If, if that guy would have sacri- sacrificed Shane, would have been smart. He was not doing it. Not saying that's why Shane did it. Shane just wanted to live and you know bang Lori some more. But yeah. Shane sacrificing that guy meant the medicine got out and he was able to live and Carl, Carl was, able, was to able to live. Yes. So Shane being cutthroat and survival mode guy. Yeah. Was for the greater good. Yep. Although yeah. Carl lived in Carl's a little bitch. So maybe that. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't watch it anymore, so I wouldn't know. But yeah. That... Uh, anyway, zombies. Yeah, you it's could... a great... You know, it's funny. I heard this... Uh, I don't know how hard and fast it is, but I heard this idea that zombies and vampires vie for popularity, depending on who's president. Really? Yeah. And I, I'm not sure how much I adhere to it, but it was funny to listen to. So basically, when, when uh, there's a Republican president, zombies are more popular. Mm-hmm. Because more people are who are not liking Republicans are afraid of the mass sheep, you know, type of uh, group thing, type of thing. Like, oh, they're all just parodying the same thing. Whereas, if a Democrat's president, more vampires, blood suckers, because they're effeminate, <laughs> sophisticated type of uh, urban progressive vampires. Yeah, yeah like you know, like like, like they're the gay guys come to stay, till, steal your women. Whereas zombies are the unwashed hordes. <laughs> uh, uneducated brainlessness coming to the so country. I can see that. So George Bush was president when Resident Evil got when hit. Resident Evil twenty eight days later the yep. Dawn of the Dead remake and then and then Obama, Obama comes president Twilight Twilight <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now That's Trump's president expects some more zombie movies coming out I guess I don't know yeah. it's, it's still the first year so it's hard to say but That's pretty funny um. I think for me, though, as far as that survival mode goes, you can pluck zombies out of the equation and plug anything in. I mentioned it before. Maximum Overdrive gets a lot of shit because it's it's a really campy movie. Oh, I love I just it. watched a I watched a YouTube video on the worst Stephen King adaptations, mm-hmm. and they basically they said, "Oh, for every Green Mile or The Mist, you get a Maximum Overdrive," and they put that right in there with the worst Stephen King movies. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I but yeah, it it's a fun ride. It's a fun, campy, weird movie. It's actually, tell really me good. about your maximum overdrive theory. Yeah, I feel like we—I I have said this before, but I'll say it again on the podcast. Uh, on oh, the podcast. yeah, maybe. I don't. Know. I don't. But I'll say it again. My maximum overdrive theory is that not that the machines came to life. It is that invisible aliens started running the machine. Yeah, like small ones. So I'm like maybe to run the big trucks, you had a whole you know team of them because shit like remote control cars were going crazy too so for my for my theory to work you had small little aliens that were running machines because it works better that way because the whole premise was the planet was going through the tail of the comet well invisible aliens were living in the comet and they came down on the planet and like the scenes with the what was it the the machine gun on the platform 
Yep. How, there's no mechanism for that to run itself unless you had invisible aliens. Yeah. I just like the lawnmower. I like I like the vending machine shooting the yeah the coke cans out at the kids and then hitting the guy in the head, killing some, him. Some dickish alien was back there, you know, loading the springs and going crazy with it. <laughs> and then the lawnmower. Chasing. Which I, I think the thing he actually did shoot a guy in the dick, right? So there you go. Yeah. yeah, shut the guy in the dick, and then when he falls down on his knees, then it shoots him in the head and kills him. Yeah, like pop cans are wont to do. Yes, uh, maximum overdrive. But it's also like that's something that I love about the mist. I don't know what it is. It's like you're trapped where you are now survive. You know, you have no ability. You can't, they're not going to hurt you because it can't come in. Like the mist you're like, can't yeah, come you're, in. You're like a little oasis of safety. Yes. Very and, little. Yeah. And there is a possibility that you can leave for small, you know, small distances, but in reality, you need to stay out of the mist. <laughs> so you have to survive where you are. I. That's just, it's very appealing to me. I don't know Plus, what it is. The ending of the mist was phenomenal. Yes, the movie The Mist. Yeah. goes in the books for me as probably the best ending ever. If not right uh, of up any there. movie or of any horror movie. Well, definitely of any horror movie. I I would put it right at the top. Um And this is the key to horror movies is get <laughs> Frank Darabont to make them. There you go. <laughs> yeah? Well, think about it. Frank Darabont made The Mist. He made The Green Mile. He made you know, the movie version. He made The Walking Dead first couple seasons, which was ones yep. everybody loved. Yes. So there you go. Frank Darabont, Horror Master. He's pretty good. Adapts something that somebody else does. Uh, Horror Masters, John Carpenter, Wes Craven. Yeah. Um, I know that you the have... Thing. Yes, The Thing is John, a great movie. John Carpenter. Oh my God. The Thing is one of my... I was going to make a top five horror movies. Definitely The Thing would be in there, if not top three. Yeah. Let's Let's talk... A little bit about your horror superhero, H.P. Lovecraft. Shifting gears. Well, this is what um, this is what it goes to. What I find scary is, and this kind of goes to the thing too, is the psychological aspect of it, which is H.P. Lovecraft was a master of the ideas that he evoked. Like his writing was, if you ever sit down and read it, it's very atmospheric and it's very creepy. But especially sitting here in 2017, reading something that was written in 19 that the, the, the 19 teens of the 1920s is which is when he wrote is not you're not going to get your jump scares per se and some of it is frankly ridiculous but the ideas it evokes and the atmosphere it creates is second to none so what hp lovecraft was a master of was what's called cosmic horror Mm -hmm. which is the idea that we as human beings are insignificant specks in a wider universe that not only doesn't care we exist but is incidentally going to fucking kill us and make it a point to kill us no by accident just because we're so insignificant just because we're so insignificant we are going to basically the idea behind because hp lovecraft people think of that with the, the theme that keeps coming up as insanity and the idea because because of that is that the more you try to examine the real nature of reality the more that you're going to have to be, go insane just to protect yourself. Because when you find out how insignificant you are and what the truth of the universe actually is, you will never be able to be feel safe, feel serene, feel like there's hope in the world. So like the, the quintessential H.P. Lovecraft story, the one that everybody thinks of is called The Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. The whole idea is there's this guy that's investigating the death of his, um, I want to say it's his uncle. So he's investigating the death of his uncle by retracing the tra- the steps that his uncle took, finding out that there's this cult of people out there who have been working since primordial times to keep a secret that this being exists who came from another world, 
has been living in our world since before human beings were even a thing and is going to rise again and casually destroy humanity. And this thing is Cthulhu and he's dead, but not dead. And while he's dead, he dreams and his dreams affect reality. And the end of the book, spoiler alert, I guess I should say, the end of the short story, some sailors accidentally free Cthulhu and the Cthulhu wakes up in his primordial, just almost like, it's hard to say, like um, infantile state and immediately starts beating ass. Mm-hmm. It's only because of a, a mistake or a, a fortunate turn of events that they're able to put him back, you know, like send him back to where he was, but they can't kill him. And the end of the thing culminates in the idea that the, the, the narrator knows that Cthulhu is still there, going to rise again. Humanity is going to die, and there's not going to be anything anybody can ever do about it. And Cthulhu is not even the worst of it. Throughout H.P. Lovecraft's series of stories, he makes a shared world where basically the universe itself is a chaotic, idiotic, but living thing that will eventually wake up and destroy all life. And that creeps the shit out of me. It's very pleasant. I know, right? The, the, the hopelessness of it. The, it's, that's why it's called cosmic horror. Is the fact that the universe itself doesn't care about you and is actively working to kill you just by it existing and you existing in the way you do. Hmm. The more you know about, the crazier you're going to be. So that, yeah, that's H.P. Lovecraft. The, what, why I've been referencing it for 20 plus episodes, that's why. Because it scares the shit out of me, that idea that... I mean, H.P. Lovecraft was an atheist. I'm an atheist. And that's the dark side of atheism is the no hope aspect of it. There's not a lot of atheists with suicide vests right because <laughs> once you die that's it and the idea that oh wait maybe there is something out there that's a sentience but it doesn't care for you whatsoever and it will fucking kill you if you get too close to it it's scary as shit and there's no hope there's no protection there's no if i say the right magic spell or if i use the right crucifix at the right time you know dracula is easy to deal with you get some garlic you get some holy water you get some crosses you can deal with dracula Keep you're never going to deal in the daylight with yeah, you're never gonna deal with Yog Sothas. You're never gonna take care of Nyarlathotep. I'm just throwing out crazy names, <laughs> but they're all from H.P. Lovecraft. Well, these things, if they're aware of you, are going to fuck with you, and you're not you're not gonna be able to help yourself. What modern stories have borrowed from H.P. Lovecraft? Everything. <laughs> okay, well, borrowed is one word. How about what is a direct recreation of a of an H.P. Lovecraft story? I know that we've talked about Alien. Yeah. And in my mind, Aliens is a recreation of what the, my two favorite Lovecraft stories are The Call of Cthulhu and The Shadow over Innsmouth, which is the idea that this character goes into this town and finds out the entire town is against him, which is like kind of like what I said, where all of a sudden, what I said that one of the things I find scary is an ally turns into an enemy without a moment's notice. It's the idea that you're alone against everything, that, that you can't count on anybody, you can't, or anybody you can count on you're going to have to watch very closely because they're going to turn on you. So the Shadow of Rizmuth is this guy goes to the town, finds out the entire town is part of this crazy cult that worships the, worships these underwater monsters called the Deep Ones. Some of them are Deep Ones. And they all go at him and he has to escape, find his way through this town by himself with the entire town coming at him. And there's nowhere he can turn. There's nobody he can trust. That theme, I'd say, is in Aliens. Whereas they go into this place, seems ostensibly calm on the surface, and then the entire place turns against you and you got to fight your way out. And there's really nowhere you can turn. You just got to find your way to escape. Sounds and like the gun. Well, it's the turned allies and enemies, whereas the xenomorphs grab people, cocoon them up, put the eggs yeah. in them, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. It sounds like um, the first Gunslinger book. Doesn't he go into yeah. a town? Yeah, the town and the entire town. Which Stephen King is, a, is a fully admitted 
Lovecraft fan. He, I mean, he himself has said he he wrote a um, story called Salem's Lot. Not not the book. He wrote a short story before he wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's something about a worm. Anyway, it's it's really taken from Lovecraft. But he he has admitted, and the book Salem's Lot, which is my favorite Stephen King book, is about a town that everybody slowly becomes the bad guy, and the entire town turns on the main protagonist. That's shed over his mouth all day, every day. Mm-hmm. With a different, with a vampire and a different pacing, but it's creepy as shit. Where you slowly realize you're alone and you're surrounded by enemies, and any allies you have or could be enemies in a moment's notice. So it's like jail. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, go. <laughs> I'm one to eighty six, and I'm gonna get fucked up. There you go. <laughs> um, I am. I'm not familiar with H.P. Lovecraft as much. Um, the what I'm, I say I'm aware is, of him. I will say. Everything else that I always wax ecstatic about, I get if people don't get into it. H.P. Lovecraft is actually very easy to dip your toe into without a little, a huge time sink because they're all short stories. So for you, Tom Witham, and anybody listening, I recommend at the very least read Call of Cthulhu and Shadow of Rinsmith. They are very good stories and they are very easy to get into, read in a day and be done. I know that there was a video game recently that took some H.P. Lovecraft stuff. and I, I looked into it a little bit, but... Um, that and they've made a children's movie about H.P. Lovecraft. I actually ordered it on Amazon and they canceled my order. Hmm. Um, oh, I think I remember you talking about that. Yeah, well, it's I a, mean, Cthulhu's everywhere. Like you see, like Zoidberg on the on Futurama is Cthulhu. I mean, yeah. it's everywhere. H.P. Lovecraft has permeated pop culture. It's a weird thing. It's permeated pop culture so that everybody recognizes the tropes of it and nobody knows where it came from unless you're a <laughs> diehard fan. It's the weirdest combination. Yeah, and I know enough about uh, Lovecraft that I can understand the references, pop culture references, but yeah. I don't, I can't say as I've any, read any of his stuff. I did listen to a podcast about him, um, basically start to finish about like what his life was like and mm-hmm. how he was a racist, but then he recanted oh yeah he was a huge racist and this is one of those social things where you got to take what people did on its own merits and not as a whole like i firmly believe that like for all these people who are talking about we need to like like in harvard or yale or we got to get rid of like this person's name of the building because they were a plantation owner or they were a segregationist yeah that's terrible like woodrow wilson people want to get that statue taken down of him because he was a segregationist i get it that's fucked up that he's a segregationist but he was also prodded from his times and he did a lot of good things hp lovecraft sculpted 20th 20th century horror in a real way he was a horrible racist take that with a grain of salt and move on that's all i can say but he also he changed his tune yeah well he died young he died in his early 40s i believe and he was a big he was big into correspondence. He wrote letters to a lot of different people, encouraged a lot of people in their own writing, let a lot of different people use his characters in their own short stories. Like one of his biggest fans was a guy named, uh, I think it was Robert Block, who was the writer of Psycho. Mm-hmm. You know, different people like that. Robert E. Howard, the creator of Conan, was a huge Lovecraft fan and used a lot of Lovecraft ideas in his own stories. Uh, so in his correspondence, he would talk about his his opinions about stuff, not necessarily horror. And, um, yeah, there was indicators towards the end of his life. He was rethinking a lot of what his old opinions were when he was young, which that's people. People go through developments when they get older. They rethink a lot of the things they thought of, you know, the opinions they held when they were young. You've done it. I've done it. We've all done it. Mm -hmm. So people that pigeonhole 
Lovecraft and say, well, he's this fucked up racist. Yeah, he was. At one point in his life, he got better by the end. Not great, but better. Yeah, they Regardless, um, take it for what is what it is. There's a literary award that they want to. That's an H.P. Lovecraft award that they want to change. I think it's for sci-fi. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent certain, but they want to change it from H.P. Lovecraft because he was a racist. So yeah. Well, guess what? Anybody that's like that, well, we got to get rid of all. You know, there. I guarantee you, the time's coming probably sooner rather than later that they want to repudiate George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, get rid of any memorials they have mm-hmm. because they were slave owners. Guess what? The day's going to come when the opinions you have right now are considered subversive and retrograde. I don't care who you are. You might think you're the most PC of PC warriors. You are the pinnacle of progressive thought. You hold opinions that the future will shudder at. Your heroes are going to be revealed to be human and flawed. (gasps) So you better uh, take a step back and rethink some opinions about who, you know, uh, how, how thoroughly we should be a kind of class and knock down the history of anything that being said go ahead and take down the confederate statues and put them in a museum <laughs> yeah fuck confederate statues if you want to have a confederate statue or a confederate flag on your own property have at it but it should not be on government property just saying we yeah. beat the confederates in a war you should not have <laughs> defeated foes on government property that's stupid yes i say we i'm a union northern boy <laughs> So well, yeah, this took a little bit of a political divergence from our main topic, which I Well, let's let's go back. Let's take that and just say uh you're northern boy from Michigan. What's um what's the best horror movie featuring Michigan? Featuring Michigan? Oh. What's what's a good Michigan horror movie? Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's No, actually I said that facetiously, but there is a movie called Detroit now, so jeez. Yes. I have not seen it. Um Geez, what's a horror movie in, on, in or about Michigan? I know there's got to be. Well, let's go to Google. Horror movies about Michigan. Well. I know American Pie takes place in Michigan, and it's kind of horror that he couldn't get it with Shannon Elizabeth, but that's probably stretching. It's got to be something. Uh, well, these were filmed in Michigan. Jingles <laughs> the Clown. <laughs> Never saw that. Uh, suspended Animation. Mm, Creepitus. Never saw Yeah, Michigan, you go. Let's see. See now, this is this is bad because if I said, "Well, what's horror movies, horror stories about Maine?" Uh, every Stephen King yeah. story ever well, created. Yeah, I mean, Maine gets a like Stephen King. If, if you've talked to people that, that either like Maine's a state, they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that's where Stephen King put all." Like they should make a Castle Rock in Maine just because, or a dairy, or a dairy. They call it Castle Dairy. Now that sounds like a burger joint. That's sort of ice cream. I'd go there. <laughs> get a five dollar milkshake there. Get a slider and a blizzard. Boom. Wait, do they have White Castles in Maine? I, I've never, oh, I love White Castles. They're all filmed. few Michigan-based horror films. Well, Evil Dead. I should have known it. Evil oh, Dead. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. right. Deep in the Woods of Michigan. Oh, It Follows. That's in, They never explicitly state it, but when I was watching that movie, I could tell because of one reason. I remember you telling me the commercial, right? The commercial they play in the background. Fathers and Father and son, we do it all. <laughs> it was a hardware store. They played that goddamn commercial at every station in the 80s, the, you know, local commercials. And I remember watching the movie, hearing that commercial in the background of some of the scenes. And I'm like, wait a minute, I know that. And I know Father and Sons was uh, a Michigan thing. This takes place. And then later on in the movie, they talk about going past eight miles. So there you go. Well, there. So Evil Dead, it follows. Don't breathe. <coughs> Don't breathe? Yeah. Uh, it says, not entirely shot in Michigan. The plot is based in Detroit and features many shots of the city. Oh, yeah, that's right. Do remember. This this brings me to a point, something I wanted to raise, though, when you talk about It Follows. Did you ever see that? 
No, I haven't seen it. I know there it's is... on. I know it's on a lot of lists of good horror. This is what I'm seeing lately. There's a big tonal shift in horror movies in the last five years, maybe just even three years, which is horror as allegory for a real life problem or like a issue. Sexually, sexually transmitted disease. Yeah. Well, so yeah, it follows as about a demon or a monster or some invisible thing that stalks a person and kills them unless they have sex with somebody and then it passes to that person they have sex to. and it goes back and forth. You know, it's, it's actually out of all these allegory movies, it's probably the best one I've seen. It had its creepy parts, but it's not a top tier horror movie in my book. It's not, it's not something that I was sitting there going, Oh my God, this is scaring the shit on me. It had some creepy parts. It was worth watching, but you have a lot of movies now, like the Babadook or the witch, or it comes at night. Like a lot a lot of movies that are not very scary that are being hailed as awesome horror movies, and I, I'm taking issue with it. So have you ever seen this uh, studio, A24? Um, I don't know. They're, they're, they're putting out massive amounts of content now, and it's not it's not just horror movies. Like They put out the movie uh, Swiss Army Man with Daniel oh, Maxwell. Yeah. Yep, like yep. a lot of different stuff. But they're, they made, they cut their teeth on horror movies, if I remember right. And they, they did this with different stuff like called The Green Room and The Witch. Mm-hmm. And they just did one called It Comes at Night. Me and my brother went and saw It Comes at Night. I think I talked about this in a previous episode. It was dumb. Like, I don't know what they were trying to talk, what they're trying to say, what the allegory was even trying to be, except for once you start mistrusting people, it becomes a poison. I don't know. But there was it was very flat. Well, isn't the, a letdown. the green room the same thing? It's about people not trusting each other. And it's like there's no technical monster. It's right. like people doing horrible things to each other because they don't know yeah. each other or something. And I, did, and I didn't see that one, but I saw synopsis as uh, Patrick Stewart. And, and it's, it's hailed as being the Babadook's about uh, single parenthood. Yeah. The, I can't remember the name of it, but there's one with a little kid and his twin who are messing with their mom. Yeah. And it's kind of about... She has plastic surgery for some reason. And right. Then... And it's about... And you you think that the mom is... They, they, they think their mom's not their mom. It's about mistrust and mental health. And like all these movies, there's, there's a big push that any movie today that people are considering good horror is an allegory for a social issue. Yeah. Uh, what's that one that just came out? Um, Get Out. Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's about racial tension and white people want to be black people or something. I don't know. Um, but that's like the highest rated on um, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, know, yeah. is like the All highest rated. All these are doing like great critical reviews, but they're not scary. None of them are scary. None of them. Some of them are a little creepy, but none of them are traditional horror movies sit with you, disturb you, scary. They're all, oh, that makes me think. It's a metaphor for this. And I'm not, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to call that a horror movie, then you're doing horror movies at a service. You should make it a new category. Yeah. I don't I don't want that kind of thinker. I want two teenagers banging in a, <laughs> on a back in a barn and have a guy in a hockey mask jump out and stick a pitchfork through both of them. That's what That's I right. want. They committed the sin. You're not supposed to have sex on screen. You get killed for it. Yep. That's what I want. <laughs> That's, I want somebody it. to go to sleep at night and be transported to hell and have Cinnabites come out and exactly yes something something like I today when I was doing my homework I I watched I wanted to see if they were all like this and they were the witch which was it's supposed to be New England folklore is how they sell it it's about a in the 1600s a colonial family 
Yeah. And it's maybe supernatural, but maybe not. It's kind of an allegory for like distrust of women and menstruation. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it might also be about going crazy because you got a fungal infection. It's it's very vague. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's very strange. It's not that scary whatsoever. And it's another and I was disappointed because it's another just social allegory movie. And I was not happy about it. Like I said, about, about the only one I really like of this genre is It Follows. Yeah. Because it has some genuinely creepy moments in it. And some boobs. No, I don't think it did. Boobs. So, yeah, the 12-year-old, you know, video giant horror <laughs> movie renter in me was very disappointed. Well, let's, um, can you think of an image from a horror movie that has stuck with you? Like, like when you close your eyes at night and you think about the horror movie that scared you, like, what is what image is popping in your head? Um, the girl at the beginning of the ring when they find her in the closet. Yep. Yeah. I that, can. That creeped the shit out of me. Yeah. Her face is all contorted. Yes. And her head flops forward. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an image that it stuck with me. Um, I can tell you another one that is really creepy and to this day still creeps me out. And I have a friend that we share this creepy thought about that scene and so every once in a while i'll find it on youtube and i'll i'll share it on her <laughs> facebook page just to be like here you go and it that's from um pet cemetery the sister up in the attic zelda oh, Zelda, yeah when she does her bit about being trapped and just yeah. her voice and her skin and bones yeah. like face and the way the camera angle goes i'm telling you like the rest of pet cemetery is mild <laughs> until you get to the even point. the creepy kid who is super creepy yeah gauge I mean, is creepy as shit but then they put the camera on zelda and that is creepy yeah. as fuck um many many scenes from the exorcist <laughs> <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what going back to well jaws jaws 2 this time the revenge yeah there was a scene where all the kids are out on the bay or whatever they're in the water on rafts and they show an overhead shot and the shark is beneath them yeah so you can see the sharks underwater just barely maybe a couple feet underwater and it's by the time they got around to number two the thing was like gigantic it was like a megalodon or something mm-hmm. and it's under there just like moving its mouth right under a raft that creeped me the hell out well like that as, disturbed me when i was younger as you know that is my phobia the deep water it's underwater the, yeah and, anything i can see a, a friggin' sea turtle under the water <laughs> and it'll freak me out because you don't know you don't know what's down there brushing against your legs oh you? god oh, i don't even start it's creeping me out just thinking that, about it i mean i remember being a kid once or twice being in a lake and a fish like swishing by my legs i'm like oh god oh god oh god oh god, oh god. <laughs> no, no, god. no 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 <laughs> it's a piranha piranha that one was creepy too yeah uh, uh horror what, movies what does scare you like that my my fear like seriously my one fear well i have two fears but my one big phobia is underwater like anything underwater it's there's an actual name for it it's i can't pronounce it but it's fear of deep water and the things that lurk in it what are your like what scares uh, you i think something being inexplicably out of place it's hard for you to describe like if i'm in a room somewhere and i see something that shouldn't be there or seems like it's been put there purposefully but doesn't make any sense why i find that unsettling there's a name for that oh I yeah can't, i can't think of it but there's a Probably name a phobia or something well it, it has to do with like things that 
move that aren't supposed to move. Well, and I said, I think I've said this before, like Stephen King once said, the perfect horror story is you come home and you find out slowly over about an hour that every single item in your house has been replaced by a duplicate. Yeah. You come to realize that. That's unsettling. Something something out of place and just alien in a mundane setting. So, okay, the the pod the uh pod, podcraft. The podcast I was talking about the HP Lovecraft podcast by the mm-hmm. two guys. Yeah. They get this third guy on there all the time to do readings because he has this amazing reading voice. Yep. His name's Andrew Lehman. And one time they were in front of a crowd doing a live show. And somebody asked him, what creeps you out? What was the most, what's something that creeped you out the most that you saw in your life? And he described the scene that has always stayed with me where he was at high school at night, you know, long after everybody's gone home. I don't remember why he said he was there. He was on the football field or he was walking by it. And he looked out on the field and in the moonlight, there was this person standing right in the middle of the field, still looking up at the moon, not moving, not saying a word, just standing there. And he didn't know who this person was. And he watched him for minutes. And the guy didn't move, didn't do anything, just stood there and looked at the moon. And he said, I got so creeped out, I had to go home. I, I had no idea who this guy was, why he was doing it. It was the weirdest, creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life to this day. He's like, I have no idea what it was about. Never saw it again. I, I have a, a very similar story. Well, that wasn't even my story, but I just remembered, oh my God, if I saw that, I would be like, shitting myself we uh when i was a kid uh, i used to work at a restaurant busting tables and or not bus tables but washing dishes and stuff and um my parents used to drive over and pick me up i was like i think i might have been 14 at the time and they so i worked at the restaurant they'd come and get me and it was like at night after closing and everybody was gone kind of thing and um so my parents picked me up and they were both creeped out like they were weirded out and they were talking amongst themselves, but they weren't involving me in the conversation. And apparently they drove by a guy that was standing on the side of the road in the pitch black, absolute pitch black. And he had both arms out to his side with like his palms facing forward. And he was like looking up at the sky. And and so minutes went by and they're talking about this. And so we leave to go home and he was still there. And I got to, I, I saw him when we drove by, like I looked at his face. I looked at like, had no idea who the guy was, but he was just standing there looking up at the sky with his, and it was pitch black. I I couldn't tell you if he was looking at the moon or what. I don't know. Yeah. I, but they both like when they left to pick me up, he was there. And when we drove by after they picked me up, he was there. That disturbed me. And the fact that they got in the car and weren't involving me in the conversation, they were just talking about it, like in oh, hushed, yeah. hushed tones. Like I picked out what they were talking about. And that freaked me out. I was 14 years old. So, you know, that was enough to make me not want to sleep. <laughs> Who knows what that guy was doing? Probably yeah, well, nothing. He's probably, balls. he's probably on LSD or something. But... Right. But still well, I mean, creepy. There was this, there was this point, my, my own personal creeped out moment. And it was, it was stupid, but I used to sleepwalk when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember I slept, I, I had my, me, my, my, the house I grew up in. Our bedrooms, me and my parents and my brothers would rotate for whatever reason. Every few years, they want to switch bedrooms. So at one point, my bedroom was on the bottom floor and both my brother and my parents' bedroom was on the top floor. And I remember walking out of my room, got to be like three in the morning or something like that, sleepwalking. I don't know what I did until I woke up, but I remember waking up in the middle of my living room, hearing the tick, tick, tick of a clock on the wall. The last thing I remember was climbing into bed. And also in my living room, everything is dead silent except for this ticking clock. And I was freaking out. <laughs> like I couldn't hear. I, I did. I, to my mind, in my waking, like 
Draghi kind of just waking up mind, I thought I was alone in the house and everybody had disappeared and left me alone in this house. And I was, and I just kind of walked back to bed, got into bed, couldn't go to sleep for like an hour because I was just creeped the hell out. Wow. Just speaking normal things taken to a weird place. That's all that that's what disturbs me. Speaking of sleepwalking, back in 1920, one of the first quote unquote horror movies was a silent film. Do you know what it is? Nosferatu? The Cabinet of Dr. Caligar. I actually heard of that. That does sound familiar. And it's about a guy who hypnotizes sleepwalkers to go murder people in their sleep. <laughs> wow. The, the perfect crime. That's right. Yeah. Poor sleepwalkers are taking the fall for this guy. That is... Apparently this guy needs to murder a lot of people. That's weird. <laughs> uh, that, you know, aside from things like Nosferatu, and <clears throat> that is up there in, like, one of the first horror movies. <laughs> Speaking of Sleepwalkers, there was a Stephen King adaptation called Sleepwalkers. Yep. You ever see it? No, but I think that was a uh, it was a cat in it, right? A black cat? It was cat people. Two yes. people who were like cat monsters, and there was a mother and son who got it on with each other. Yeah. It was hot. Oh, well, no, they were Targaryen. It didn't matter. Yeah, no, yeah, it was all cool. <laughs> no, the movie was, I don't know, it has a warm place in my heart. Me and my brother used to watch it a bunch of times, but it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah we'll quote we will quote lines to each other randomly for no reason when we see each other stop looking at me stop looking at me you fucking cat that's from the and the best line of any movie ever there's this guy he's a cop he sings a song there goes johnny with his pecker in his hand he's a one ball man he's off to the rodeo the greatest that sounds good there goes johnny with his pecker in his hand he's a one ball man he's off to the rodeo sing it so yeah that's a that's a movie that happened you know what allowed horror movies to blossom What's that? The back in the day, uh, back in the day, there was something called the Hayes Code. Mm-hmm. This was before the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association, and they were in charge. This Hayes Code was named after a guy that Isaac Hayes. No, not Isaac ah, Hayes. I don't know what his first name is, but uh, he was obsessed with um, the correct standards of life, and he wanted. He got the government to limit what Holly, Hollywood could portray. In its film. Oh, wow. And he wanted to, this is one of the quotes here, to prevent lowering moral standards. And one of the rules, you're not going to believe this. Like, this is going to be unbelievable to you, knowing modern cinema. He got it passed. It was it was the law of the land in Hollywood that hmm. you couldn't write a story that would create compassion for the bad guys. Can you oh, imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine entertainment today? If we weren't allowed to have compassion for the bad guys. Without a sympathetic bad guy, right. It, it, even so, even something like Seven, you have some sympathy for the guy because he's crazy and he's lonely. So un- there you go. Under this Hayes Code, you couldn't. No, yeah. That's exactly- so uh, you couldn't portray like adultery. So you couldn't um, have adultery shown in a, a good spotlight. In any like the it was irredeemable if if so there was no a, woman escaping an abusive husband in the arms of a lover type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just I think that that I, I I don't know how you would have entertainment now. Oh, that without that, if if these were in effect. That actually goes hand in hand with something I was going to mention. Um, the Comics Code Authority. So in comic books, for years you would see a little um, stamp, a little symbol in the corner of the cover saying approved by the Comics Code Authority. And what that meant was it hit certain guidelines of content, like what it could and couldn't have. And it was the <laughs> the biggest scam in the history of maybe print ever. So I'll, I'll go through 
the idea of it because this is a fascinating story. And I, I think I might have my details a little off, but to the best of my understanding, what you had, this all started with what was called the golden age of comic books. So what you had in the golden age of comic books, most people think of is the heyday of DC, which was the introduction of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Justice Society, all this stuff, which is true. That was like the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s to a to an extent. But that was not the king of comic books. The king of comic books was something called EC Comic, and it was almost exclusively horror comic books. Really? That was Tales from the Crypt, like the original oh, Tales from the Crypt. Oh, yeah. And Tales from, I want to say like Tales from the Dark Side, but I might be off on that. Just all these different horror comic books beat the pants off of Timely Comics, DC Comics. I think maybe even by that point, Marvel Comics, all these different superhero comic book companies. Mm -hmm. Then this book came out called Seduction of the Innocent, where this psychologist basically was blaming comic books for corrupting America's youth. Of course. Which it, it put heavy blame on the horror comic books, but it did not spare superhero comic books because it talked about how batman and robin were enticing young boys to be homosexuals <laughs> yeah not gonna that was a thing that not, not gonna lie so what all the comic publishers did was get together they used this as a as an excuse to get together and create the comics code authority which was a self-policing system saying okay we're gonna have certain standards we're gonna meet and we're not gonna have certain uh topics and scenes and stuff like that in our comic books and almost universally every topic and scene was a horror trope so no uh -huh. zombies, yeah. no living dead, no, um, I, don't, I almost just want to say no vampires, but I think that they did. But, but basically everything that had the EC Comics was doing, there was like, yeah, no, we're going to make that against the code. Oh, God. And it, it was a really shitty underhanded way to put EC Comics out of business. It was, it's funny as shit. So yeah, wow. horror comic books beat the pants off of superhero comic books. To this, right here, to this day, if they hadn't gotten together to do the whole comics code thing, we wouldn't have probably given a shit about Batman, Captain America, you know, any of that stuff. Huh. Because they would have never gotten a toehold into the industry the way that they did once they killed off EC now, Comics. What happened to this code? Eventually and the comics code stuck around well into the nineties until eventually they said, Nah, fuck it. And they just universally just said everybody's just like, Yeah, we're not gonna do anything. Because it was a it was it wasn't a government thing. It was an industry insider self enforced code. Hmm that nobody wanted to be the first to get rid of it because nobody wanted to be the ones that said, you know, oh, yeah, we're uh, going to have these adult comic books that are going to fuck with your kids. It was something that parents could look at and say, okay, this comic book's not going to be sex and, you know, oozing, dripping corpses and over-the-top blood and gore or anything like that. All the things that you can do in a comic book that make it good. Yes, and all the things that even mainstream superhero comics are now doing. Oh, you will oh, have... Yeah, you... This is zombie versions of every single superhero. Oh, yeah. And plus, they have even regular superheroes in a you know big event will, like, they've had guys ripping people in half where they might not show all the gore of it, but they'll show a lot. You know, yeah. there's an old comic book I remember having that was one of the rare exceptions to this comic code authority one was showed Kid Flash's face melting off of him until he was a skeleton. <laughs> you know, and that was a rare exception, but they can do that because there was nothing official about the whole comics code. It was just a thing that was a, a flag to the parents saying, yeah, you can get your kid to read this one. It's fine. But I thought that was a super interesting thing that horror comics were what people actually wanted to read, what kids yeah. wanted to read. Well, speaking of Tales from the Crypt. Yes. It's awesome. It is. I loved the shit out of Tales from the Crypt. Which... And it was such campy weirdness, but it worked. It was the greatest thing. Yeah, it did. It was like Creep Show. It was like... Oh, that was another EC Comics one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. anyway, sorry. 
Well, no, but I'm just saying that those, it was just like that. Those, you know, weird tales, uh, you know, you, you get, a, I think there was one where there was a, uh, maybe I'm talking about Creepshow now, but it was the, the lake that had the slime in the yeah, that was oh, Creepshow. Creepshow 2, and there's a part where there's boobies. <laughs> Bring it back full circle. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love it. I remember renting it, watching it. Yeah, it paid off. I knew there was going to be boobs in this one. There was. <laughs> uh, Tales from the Crypt. They're going to reboot, hopefully. See, and I have hopes for this because you can do good horror as an anthology series. Like, one of the reasons sometimes horror falls flat is because they build it up over, especially like a two-hour movie. You have you have the principle of the monster's only scary until you see it, and then it stops being scary. So you have a movie where you don't show the monster that's cool for a while until eventually you want to see the goddamn monster because time yep. you've gone an hour and 10 minutes and you haven't really seen this stupid thing. So finally they should reveal the monster at the end and it's not that, you know, it's maybe kind of alarming at first and then you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. That's a movie that doesn't do it right. will drop the ball in that respect because it's too much to lead up payoffs, not the big enough payoff. Whereas an hour long anthology types thing like tales from the crypt builds it up quick, gets to it, the payoff quick, doesn't give you enough time to dwell on the weird rubber-suited monster. Boom. End of the episode. Works perfectly. Horror. Horrible. Horror. Horror. Or. Bull. Not horror. <laughs> yeah. Horror or bull. What's my Saturday night going to be like? Uh, what other TV shows are there that are horror TV shows? Well, there's a whole slew of horror TV shows that are anything but horrible. Like you would, I guarantee you that if you were going to get a Hollywood bean counter to categorize something like Buffy... He, they put it in like the horror genre. It's not uh, Hemlock Grove. Hemlock Grove. Did you did you ever watch all those? No, I didn't. I didn't watch them. I the watched first them. season was decent. The last two seasons were batshit insanity. Yeah, it just was. I I watched all three and I'm like, I guess I don't. What the hell's <laughs> happening? It, it had its moments. It had its gross out moments and its jump scare moments and it's what the fuck am I looking at moments? So I can't say it was a waste, but I I don't know where to put that. <laughs> True Blood. Ah, boobs and blood, boobs yeah, and gore. Another one I haven't watched. It that was that was fun. It was never scary, but it was fun for a while. Then it jumped the shark, and you're like, yeah, all right, okay. I this just popped into my head, and I have to ask: The Lost Boys horror mm. movie? <laughs> yes, I guess. All right, I, I, pure goodness. Don't get me wrong. I fucking yeah, love the it, Lost Boys. Then it goes right to the top of the list. Yeah. But can you put it in the same categories? Or... No, I, no, you can't. That's in the same. That's the horror comedy. Yeah. weird hybrid that's the same category as maybe the gremlins but i still wouldn't put the same category as Zombieland, which i consider comedy with a gimmick yeah like ghostbusters comedy with a gimmick Zombieland, comedy with a gimmick um trying to think of another one well the scary movies definitely oh yeah those are definitely i mean those aren't even meant to be horror really they're just spoofs yeah but um yeah there's there's comedy with a gimmick then there's comedy horror which is where i would put tremors or lost boy or gremlins yeah. but yeah Ah, uh, tremors. I love. That's another survival one. You know, there's a monster on the loose. You're trapped where you are. Now you have to survive. Fucking graboids. <laughs> All right. Well, we have American Horror Story. Oh yeah. The Walking Dead, The Twilight Zone, X Files. Hmm. Ooh, this goes all the way back to the 60s. Okay, in the 80s, this is what we have. For, oh, they're calling unsolved mysteries horror. That was true life. It it was unsettling. I won't lie. The theme song. And some of the things that uh, yeah, I guess just, I the theme was like dread. Plus, I guess the idea that these are, you know, 
unsolved mysteries. So the killer's still out there. The you know whatever the case may. Be. The nineties had a ton. Oh my god, not as many oh, as the two thousand. Oh my god, Tales from the Dark Side. The TV show had some really disturbing, creepy episodes. What year was that on? That's got to be late 80s, early 90s. Maybe just early 90s. But that was back-to-back, I want to say Friday night or Saturday. No, Saturday night, because I wasn't allowed to watch TV on Friday night. So Saturday night, Tales, Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters were the two TV shows that had some genuinely creepy-ass episodes. Like there was one, I think it was Monsters. Where this kid was running his house, I I, I don't remember what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I remember. He was the in theme. his house. He was uh, there was this monster, this like wolf monster thing that was always like outside trying to get in. He would see it through windows, like lightning would flash. There would be the wolf face in the window. Yeah. And at the very end, he's laying in bed. He thinks he's avoided it or defeated it or something. And his parents come home, and his dad's tucking him into bed. Dad turns around. It's a fucking wolf monster. <laughs> I'm like, I had that creeped me out when I was a kid. Got him. Yeah, it was um, 80, it jumped around a little bit. It was on uh, 83, the pilot was on in 83, and then it took a year for the series to come out, and the series came out in 84, and it went until 88, so. I must have caught, is that Tales from the Dark Side? Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of the, like, the intro, and I remember it. The intro was cool, because it was, like, in the bright lit world there's always a dark side it flips it goes black and white yeah the music changes it was seriously look up just the intro to tales of the dark side and it was a creepy ass it, it was really atmospheric really done well and then they made that movie like christian slater was in it that's actually pretty good it's another one that i feel like i should know and i it's not ringing a bell it's just a show called monster monsters yeah there was back to back with tales from the dark side yeah what was that like i'm trying to it was same thing just focused more on monsters than just strangeness okay like tales of the dark side didn't necessarily have a monster in it it could have had something else but monsters was there was a monster stalking some family kid guys gotcha so there's actually quite a bit of television horror oh yeah 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 terror vision they're listing the x-files which i can see where they're coming from but mm. terror vision that was the first movie i remember that i can remember where the bad guy won yeah and they're listing a lot of the ghost hunters and stuff like that mm-hmm. that scares me for a different reason entirely <laughs> <laughs> the Nightmare Room, 2001 and 2002. That sounds awesome. Looks there was like one it was... called Friday the 13th, but it had nothing to do with Jason. It was about a bunch of satanic artifacts. But I remember some of those episodes being kind of creepy. You want to talk creepy? I think this is from the 70s. Um, Eraserhead. Have you ever seen that? Isn't that David Lynch? Yeah. Yeah, I never saw it, but I, I've heard of it. It is incredibly off-putting. <laughs> I watched it a long, long time ago. Black Mirror is listed. See, that's... In my mind, there's a distinction. I, I meant to bring this up. There is a definite distinction between horror and thriller. And Black Mirror would be a thriller. Yeah, I agree. I've only watched the one episode, the first episode. But Ah, uh, you're missing out. Seriously, watch all three seasons that they have so far. It's, it's all really good, all three. Um, But yeah, thrillers, like, thrillers are always lumped into horrors. I don't think so. I think, a, I think any movie with, like, uh, you know, chases and, you know, action sequences and stuff like that it might be horror but more more often it's a thriller like yeah. silence of the lambs i consider more of a thriller than a horror movie i agree like, whereas I like, it features oh, I, a, a monster in the yes yeah but it he's a serial he's a human he's he's a serial killer yeah or um primal fear which is more of a drama than anything but if you're going to categorize that into a horror thriller be a thriller movie you know yeah um here's something interesting i guess i didn't do enough research on it i watched that channel zero um which is i think they just 
plucked our brains. They picked our brains. They're doing what <laughs> we said that TV shows should do. They were greenlit for two six-episode season. That's it. They're done. So is it all is it all out or no? The first one is out. The second one comes out September twentieth. But I think it's like American Horror Story where the second season isn't going to be related to the first season. But something I didn't realize that they're based on. You know what creepy pasta is? No, I've never heard of it. Creepy pasta is like um, it's an online thing, kind of like Reddit, but it deals with just horror. Hmm. Um, some of it's pretty gruesome. But uh, like the Slender Man, you know what the Slender Man is? Yeah, I've heard. I've seen yeah, all that that's that's a story that was born out of this creepy pasta. Um, but both of the seasons from Channel Zero come from creepy pastas, which I think it's just ca- creepy pasta to me is uh, kind of just like fan fiction kind of stuff okay. that kind of gets some traction and then it gets put up on their webpage. Um, but I could be completely wrong hmm. about that. I don't think anybody really knows the exact exact origin of the creepypasta it's basically internet forums that deal in scary stuff it's funny about slender man though that's like a modern day phenomena like that that thing was born and entirely lives its life because of the internet from what yeah. i understand which you yeah. had that story about the two girls that killed the other girl because slender man told them to or something yeah like that. i mean that's just uh, that's scary all by itself well you're you're always going to get it's like the satanic panic of the 80s and all that stuff. You're always going to get people that are a little too into something and take it a little too seriously and have a little too many mental defects. And there you go. So horror. So between like, I don't know, maybe you have not partaken as much. But if you had to say what has been scarier to you, movies, like actually not what you enjoyed more, but actually has scared you movies or stories or books. What do you think has been the most? Well, at first, I want to say movies because of the imagery, mm-hmm. but I want to say that one of the things that has always, always stuck with me, and it even gives me the creeps right now thinking about it, is when I was a kid, I read those short story books that like every kid read. I can't remember mm-hmm. what the name of it is, but um, the artwork in it was like watercolors, and I don't sure. know if you know you know what I'm talking about. Uh, maybe not particularly, but I know like the style. Yeah. Um, they're making a movie out of it. Um, children's not goosebumps. No, 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 no. Yeah, that was um a little later for me too. It's, uh, like I was a little was, too old for goosebumps. Um, there were two books I remember in the library at my school, and I'm talking like elementary school, and <laughs> they're called "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark," hmm. collected from folklore and retold by this guy, and then the drawings by another guy, uh, Alvin Schwartz and Stephen Gamel. And the cover of it's got like this a head coming out of the ground with a pipe, and it's just it's this really weird watercolor drawing type thing. Mm-hmm. But some of the stories that were in it um, were they, they were just scary to me. Yeah, and they they've stuck with me. And um, I can't remember off the top of my head any of them, any of the names of them. I was looking, but I can't find them. But anyway, if I were to you know be honest with myself, I'd say it's definitely scary movies have done more damage than any story uh simply because with stories i'm left to my own imagination and i can put it down and you know read between the lines with movies it's usually more up front see i'm I'm the opposite i gotta say like probably total hours of enjoyment would be the movie but the moments that have scared me like actually sat with me disturbed me creeped me out come from books like like you i remember distinctly reading uh one of the old choose your own choose your own adventure books mm-hmm. 
but those ones like you know if, if you want to do this turn to page 56 if you want to do this turn to page 24 you know stuff like that yeah uh there was one called like the mystery of chimney rock or something about chimney rock which maybe there was one or two good outcomes where you actually won but so many of the endings were just disturbing and messed up <laughs> That like you're trapped, like you could like, I remember distinctly one of them was like, there's a, you, you go to this house, there's a witch, she's hunting you down through this house because you're trapped inside. Like you go in there on a dare or something. And I remember one ending is you're, you're in this attic and you can see outside that your two friends who were too scared to go inside are kind of watching. You're trying to yell to them, trying to get them to help you, but you can't get out. The witch is coming up behind you. Scared the shit out of me. There's another one where you could turn to a mouse and you live your life as a mouse running around this house. Creepy as hell. Like just. This one book, I did all the different endings, and 99% of them just sat with me and disturbed the crap out of me when I was a kid. And there's just so many books I read like that, where they just, these moments that I will never forget. Even within stuff like fantasy books that had a horror element to them, I remember scenes that just unsettled me for long afterwards. And I, I want to say the most horrific stuff I ever had, or comic books, was the same thing. There's a lot of moments in some of the oldest comic books I had that were just messed up. And so between printed, read, you know, reading it on a page or watching it in a movie, more times I've been disturbed and horrified by the printed word than by the visual huh. side of it. Well, something that gets me, probably the only thing that gets me going now are jump scares. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I don't get jump scares from books. So, and. That's I true. I don't know if you can get a jump scare from a book, honestly. <laughs> Well, Stephen King does a good job of trying to trick you into thinking one thing, and then all of a sudden something is different, and it's a jolt. Um, like, you know, be describing a room, and then all of a sudden there's somebody standing in the corner of the room, and it's it's enough where you like your brain is like, oh, shit, you know, now I've got to recalculate what I'm thinking here. You're focused so, on it. You're paying attention. Yeah. So. Well, I will say, and I, I did want to bring this up, and I've forgotten, but you reminded me that I feel like these days the cutting edge and what's actually being done for real horror that's working is in video games. Like I mentioned to you, Oh yeah. Uh, I just got done playing um, resident evil seven, which it, it, that is, this is the installment in the franchise where it went back to its horror roots. Cause the last few resident evils were much more just action games, yeah, which like, don't get me wrong, shooters. fun games, but resident evil seven was horrors. And it was a lot of jump scares. I mean, a lot of jump scares, but it was creepy. The, the atmosphere, the setting, the story, uh, once you got down to it, the story was, it was fine, but it wasn't that unsettling. But it's just the fact that you, you sit there and the fact that you have control of it is what makes all the difference. Like you're moving your character through the screen. You're like, okay, I'm at a fork in the hallway. If I go down this way, I know that there's this guy that's stalking me and might kill me, but I can't advance until I get through there. Or I can take the easy way and hide in this closet. So you hide in the closet and you see him walk by. So you're like, okay, maybe I'm safe. You open the door, but you're making these decisions as you go through. And it's the fact that you have some control, but you don't know what's going to happen. I'm sitting there at the edge of my seat, gripping my mouse, you know, <laughs> just like, like Rob would say, fist fucking my keyboard, <laughs> moving through the thing going, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And it's like, it's a difference between watching it on a screen going, okay, movie structure and plot build up dictates that this many minutes in, this is going to have to happen to me, to the character, you know. We're reaching the middle point in a two-hour movie, so I know this is going to have to happen. Now yeah. we're towards the, you know, that's the difference between the expectation and playing a video game where you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, there's no set time limit on anything, and it's, it could be anything anywhere. 
that's where I think the cutting edge of horror is these days. Either jump scares like Resident Evil or something disturbing like this new one coming out called Agony, where you're actually in hell. Yeah. Yeah, I watched claw your way through hell. It's yeah. Well, it's and it's funny too because there once once upon a time, cutting edge horror was the Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> oh yeah, eighteen hundreds. That was yeah. people weren't used to reading things like that. You know, Frankenstein. Yeah. You're like, what is it? Dracula, which is actually a really good book, was really horrific to people. Like, I I, I want to say I might be wrong on this. But I want to say that was on the list of a lot of people's book burnings. You know. Right. It's just, it's funny that you go back 150 years or so. I don't know how many, how many for Edgar Allan Poe, but like a book, The Telltale Heart was like cutting edge horror. And here we are in 2017 and cutting edge horror is like a video game where you're, you're actually walking, you know, an avatar of yourself is walking down a hallway, getting ready to get ambushed. And you're, you know, you're getting that same feeling that probably somebody way back when was reading The Telltale Heart. It's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you know, fist fucking their keyboard. <laughs> reading right, a book. Pages. oh my god this is he gonna say something he's gonna admit that he killed this guy this is crazy oh what's gonna happen yeah the raven where he's just saying a bunch of rhymes and talking about a bird as what's creeping the shit out of people you know yeah ah rat master poe great genre it's so rich and this is horror is never gonna go go away it's just gonna have different faces you know like it's never gonna be like i don't know i can't I'm, trying to think of an example of a genre that's disappeared but vaudeville whatever <laughs> i don't know <laughs> the freak show yeah you know yeah yeah it's, it's true enough freak shows have disappeared because it's not very socially acceptable now yeah but horror is a idea is never going to go away as long as we are human as long as we need that dopamine dump mm-hmm. we are never going to lose our want to be scared yeah it's going to go through different facets like like i said the allegory social aspect that we're in right now but maybe it'll come back around to the gross out to the slasher to just a neo uh, a resurgence of something we've always known whatever but it's always going to be there agreed good stuff love it all right i feel so, satisfied was feel, it good for you let me check oh yeah it was pretty good <laughs> do you want to do some trivia i got some trivia i have i have three trivia questions i wanted to do another one where i gave you two truths and a lie and you had to pick out the lie ah. but, but I found three three trivia questions that I just I had to put in my memory banks, so I'll save <laughs> them for later. But uh, so my trivia question is very very uh, hard, and I don't expect you to get it. So there, yeah. I've I've lowered the bar. Uh, Take the pressure off. What item does Walmart sell the most of? <laughs> they sell wanna... something, one thing that it, they sell the most of. It's Walmart, so I want to say chewing tobacco, but that's very. Uh... <laughs> Very elitist and judgmental of me, so I'm going to back away from that. Um, I'll give you a clue. It is a food item. Dildo. Wait, are you eating dildos again? You can eat You can eat dildos. You just got to really want it. <laughs> I've seen some of those videos. <laughs> they do. They do really want it. They really want to eat some dildo. You know, sometimes you see some of that, some some of the erotica where a girl's got a strap on dildo and another girl flates it. And you go, why? Why? What's the point? I don't get <laughs> I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. <laughs> it's it's horrifying to me. No. Yeah. Okay. So what? Ah, uh, pervert corner. Yeah. Okay. So what is uh what is Walmart sell the most of? Duct tape. No, it's a food. Oh, food. Yeah. <laughs> Anything's a food if you want to really try. Anything's a any, food. One. Any zoo can become a petting zoo <laughs> <laughs> if you're brave enough. If you're brave enough. Uh, 
if you're hungry enough during the zombie apocalypse, you can eat duct tape. <laughs> um, okay, I will. I will give you. I'll throw you another bone. Slim Jims. Produce. Ah. Oh, avocados. The bananas. I was gonna say banana, but I thought that was too obvious. Oh my god. No. They sell. Oh. Out of all the things Walmart sells, they sell more bananas than anything. See, I, after all that dildo talk, I said I can't say bananas. That's just <laughs> you should have. Oh, strap on bananas. Strap. <laughs> uh, One time use. You know what? Mario's throwing bananas behind him because he was done with them. <laughs> oh yes, I do know that. <laughs> Ah, Mario and his wacky banana. All right, that's that was my one trivia question. That I... so you're gonna hold on to the other ones? Okay, I'm gonna hold on to the other ones for later. See, I've got two, and I got a, I got a choice. They're both hard, but they're both interesting. <laughs> I could give I, you. I, okay, never mind. I swear I didn't mean to be dirty when I said that, but it just kind of came out <laughs> that way. Okay, I'm just gonna give you this. I'm gonna go with the theme, and I, I I'm sorry. I I'll say this right off. You're probably not gonna be able to get it. Dildo. But I want to see. <laughs> Well, maybe it's kind of related. Anyways, it's another, it's another uh, phobia. No, it's not a phobia. It's the opposite of phobia. It's a philia. Okay, formicophilia. I'll even spell it: F O R M I C O philia. P H I L L I A is the fetish for having what? A penis. You're actually close. It involves um, your genitals. Well, it sounds like fellatio to me. See, you get cut up with the F. So. I'm trying to think of a hint. It's it's involves your genitals and something crawling on them. Oh God! It's the fear of having something crawl on your genitals. No, no, it's a fo- it's a philia. Oh, something so it's a love want- of. It's a fetish for. It is uh, the desire to have a spider crawl on your junk. Uh, spiritually, yes. Technically, no. <laughs> a tarantula. See, you stick with spider. You should not stick with spider. Snakes. No, that sounds hot though. Ponies. Yes, it's about. It's all about the bronies, man. Uh, mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> Formicophilia, or AKA mustache ride. Uh, caterpillars. Okay, yeah, I'll give it to you. Small insects. What? Who? What is wrong with people? Formicophilia is a fetish for having small insects crawl on your genitals. Spiders technically are not in god like how do people know this somewhere there's a guy looking at anthill with a fucking jar of honey (laughs) to have a fun night oh my god i can't even imagine like and is there a group like do they go to conferences (laughs) it's like furries but (laughs) yeah way more disturbing (laughs) Uh, i gotta i gotta put your crickets back at the bedroom if you uh former cod 2017 so yeah, yeah. If you're walking by like an expo or a you know civic center or stadium, and you see a sign that says Formicocon, well, I no was gonna thanks. say steer away, but shit, I want to go inside. I really want to see well, what's happening in there. I'd at least take a look. I but yeah. I wouldn't want anybody to think that I was involved in anything like that. You know, you know, if you walk inside, you would see some drop dead gorgeous chick laying down with a crickets jumping all over her, and I don't know what I would think about that. <laughs> and she'd have a strap on with a caterpillar crawling on it, and you'd say to yourself, "What's the point?" Why is the caterpillar flating the strap on? There's no reason for this. There's no reason. <laughs> God. Fucking strap on. Madness. The horror of it all. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to say my second trivia question just because of it. <laughs> okay. It's it's a we're going we're going with the insect theme. Okay. So according to the US FDA standards, one cup of orange juice is allowed to contain so many fruit fly eggs 
and so many maggots. How many do you think it is? A hundred. Wow. You really don't have any faith in the FDA, do you? No. <laughs> five. Five fruit fly eggs or five maggots? Five fruit fly eggs. Well, either way, it's wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is 10 fruit fly eggs. One cup, not a gallon of orange juice. One cup of orange juice can contain, can contain 10 fruit fly eggs and two maggots. It's protein. According to the FDA. It's all good, man. It's protein, protein. Uncle Sam's looking out for you, man. So Okay, I'll give you my second trivia question. Yeah, why not? How many bridges cross the Amazon River? <laughs> How many bridges? Three. Zero. Oh, I was actually close. Yeah. Zero bridges cross the Amazon. It is the biggest river in the world, so I guess that kind of makes sense. Apparently, because of their rain season and whatnot and the unpredictability of the rising water. Uh, and the piranhas. Yeah, fucking piranhas. Ooh, there's got to be a... There's got to be some sort of uh, person out there that likes to have piranhas on their junk. That's a that's affiliate somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, zero zero bridges across the Amazon. No bridges of the river Amazon. No. But one bridge over the river Kauai that we can whistle all day long. I don't. You don't get the reference. No, I don't. That's the uh, that's the bridge over the river Kauai <laughs> where they're they're whistling when they're marching towards it, and it's the Boy Scout whistle the. Oh, okay. See, I should probably stop referencing movies that I've never seen. <laughs> That's a it's got, it's, it has Obi Wan Kenobi in it. Oh, really? Okay, there you go. Yeah, Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah, is in the bridge over the River Kwai. <laughs> yes, I did see Incident at the Owl Creek Bridge. So I saw that in high school. Yeah, and what's that about the Poughkeepsie Poughkeepsie tapes? Oh, Same we, thing. we didn't even talk about the Poughkeepsie tapes. We didn't even we didn't even talk about. Oh the my Poughkeepsie. god. That was a disturbing fucking movie. But anyways, the incident at the Owl Creek Bridge is considered a classic because it's about this guy that I want to say during the Civil War he's going to get hanged, but the rope snaps or something, and he escapes, and it's all about his escape. He's running, he's running, he's running. They're chasing him, and he gets out, and nope, it's all a dream. It's a fantasy. Oh. And he hangs. So oh. it's like the first, and this is like a classic. It's based on a classic story from, I believe, the 1800s. So it's like the first, it was all a dream fake out. Or one of the first. What's a twist? Uh, exactly. Did M. Night Shyamalan do it? With a, with his time machine, which is second layer of twist. <gasps> twist within a twist. Ooh, time machine twist. Foreshadowing. All right. So yes, the Poughkeepsie tapes. Watch it, but don't watch it because it's fucking horrifying and disturbing as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Poughkeepsie anyway. <laughs> well, that's it for me. I'm going to go. All right. And who are you? Uh, my name is um, uh, Caterpillar Ride Mustache Man. <laughs> God, I wanted it to be about strap-ons and mustache rides. Okay, well, I guess I'm Bob Honey Strap-on Scully. <laughs> honey Mound. Honey Mound. Oh, God. You got them Honey Mounds. The Cricket Strap-on Scully. All right, ah. well, dip me in your Monday milk. Dip me in your Monday milk. And pull an eel from your... Did you read my new Lord Oh, Birthday? yes. I like it a sleeky... Wait, what was it? A sleeky eel? Is that what it is? I like it a slippy. Yeah. I'll, I'll Do not pull an eel out of your pants and tell people I like you to slip it. Yeah. Not a good party. No, I think that was a, a do. That was, that that was, was a do. Was a do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, dip me in your money milk anyway. Oh, Duggan. All right. See ya. Bye-bye.